when I'm working, yes, I know I'm going to be, I'm going to be the man who's working hard for you. <laughs> and when the money comes in for the work I do, I'll pass almost every penny on to you. When I come home, when I come home, well, I know I'm going to be, I'm going to be the man who comes back home to you. To you? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. No, it's you got to keep on going. I'll walk 500 miles and I'll walk 500 more. No, that worked, man. Greg, that totally worked, man. I don't think anybody ever did that song. It's one of my favorite songs, man. That's my age. Uh, it is that, your that, age. That's back in the, I don't know what it was. It was like 89 or something like that. That song came out. Well, I know that song because I listened to 97.3 Boom at work. I, I can't do anything else. It's yeah. just. It's just cool. That's the one station? Yeah, one station. That's all 70s, 80s, and 90s. Yeah. That's all it is. It's none of the crap of today. No, no. <laughs> and then sometimes, like at 12 o'clock, uh, what's that? Uh, Z103? Z103. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, for the, the way back. Yeah, 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 yeah. The yeah, way yeah, back, yeah, yeah. yeah. You'll get some, some of the guys like Tony from TC, and you'll get Gary, and you'll get uh, Vince Plus, and everybody, right? Every, yeah, Everybody's, Valerie. Yeah, Val- yeah, yeah, yeah. They all, oh, they all yeah. join in. They're like tagging each other. And I'm yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's one of those days, man. It's one of those days. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right, guys, gentlemen, thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate you reaching out. And then we got talking, and then I made the suggestion. And I think today's show, we're actually going to call it... Um, Maybe we actually start doing these kind of theme shows. And, and in today's show, we're going to talk about mentorship. Yeah. Just like I'm an older guy has been in the business. Carlito, unfortunately, can't be on this show today because, you know, we got personal lives and things are going on. And uh, we had this book yesterday and then we had to push it because yesterday was St. Patty's Day, which is fitting for the Proclaimers and 500 miles. But uh, so we miss Carlito and we wish him all the best and he'll be back on the show. No problem. But I want to dive into the whole world of what you guys expect being a GC in this industry, right? Yeah. Be- before we get all that, let me get the deets out first. So Justin and Gregor here. How do you pronounce your last name? Uh, Janzak. Janzak, right? General contractors, both both you guys? Yeah. yeah. Okay. And then uh, the company is called Generation Construction and Fine Homes Limited. And then you guys been around brand new, year and a half, eh? Year and a half, yeah. Year and a half, year and a half man. So you guys got dozens and dozens of questions, man. <laughs> That's what's gonna, which is fine. I got dozens and dozens of suggestions. Yeah. Uh, you can reach uh, uh, Greg at Greg at GenerationConstructionLimited.com. What's the Instagram handle again? Instagram is GenerationCon. Okay. And right. then uh, you'll know us because we'll have a cardinal on our uh, logo. Got it. Uh, you can also reach us at uh, generationconstructionltd.com on our uh, website. So I am missing a piece of paper. Give me one second. No worries. I had a bunch of shout outs that I was going to do. Where, where is it? Give me one second. Come on, man. Can we shout out a couple of people? Of course you can. <laughs> totally, man. Our, uh, our buddies from Rolls Ridge Builders, Adam and Tom, uh, super good guys. They... Uh, they always help us out. Tom's a plumber, honestly. He's uh, super good. Worked both custom, does a lot of commercial now. Adam, he's also a uh, GC. He's into the whole framing thing. So uh, he's, helped, he's helped us. On, uh, we partnered up on one of our first projects, and uh, it went well. I saw him on Friday. He was doing some paneling in the theater. That was really cool. Thanks, guys, for all your help. Valerie from Bins Plus. Holy smokes. Saved, saves our... All the time. All the time. All the, she's great, man. Biz oh, Plus man. is great. I fucking feel bad now. I can't find it. I don't know where it is, man. This is turning <laughs> into your shout out. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, because of Manny, uh, we found Valerie at Biz Plus. Yeah. Oh, me too. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. It's all because of you. And then everybody else, it's kind of like, you know, you find this and find that here. But Oh, me is actually really good. He's, he's very been, good. He's. We've been talking more and more and we're kind of figuring out like, 
you know, how to, how to better help each other. And he's actually a good guy. I feel bad because I can't believe I don't have my shout outs. I'll have to leave it for now. Let's dive into the show here. Let's That's do it. all. Because uh, I had a bunch of people reaching out to me and we were talking. And I know the one offhand, I just want to mention one thing. Tim out west at pound for pound. So it's pound, the number four for pound. He actually made a comment where he was talking about, we talked on the last show about the gas fuel going up and the sub trades or the employees were asking for a raise and all this other stuff. And, and I, I, we, we all get it, it all gets trickled down. But when you got a GC who's already made an agreement with a client, that money's already there. There's no extra money to go back to ask for more fuel costs. And uh, I mean, I just said, listen guys, if you guys are asking for a raise, the GC's not asking for a raise. Yeah. So if you're asking for a raise and the GC gives you the raise, then all of a sudden the money's coming out of his pocket, his profit, yeah. and that feels good for you guys. Then I don't know. I don't know if that feels good. I think it's just we all have to kind of scratch each other's backs, right? I haven't asked uh, our clients. Nothing zero to increase yet, just nothing. because of the fuel. Nothing. Tim was listening to the last show. He was like, listen to the last episode. The thing about the fuel for employees is having a company fuel card, and then at least it can be a written off at the end of the year, which makes a lot of sense. Yeah. It does come out of his pocket, like you guys said, uh, owning the company. I can increase the rates. I'm also lucky because my clientele ain't going to hire, not ain't going to not hire me because I'm 50 cents to a dollar more per square foot. I'm learning that doing my best and creating my vision will allow me to charge what it takes. It costs what it costs, and everyone has to make money, build I work for understand the subcontractors who are not making money are not good for anyone on the build, which is also true. It's yeah. a fact, right? So it, it kind of just goes back and forth. It's worth having a conversation instead of just kind of going up to the GC going, by the way, listen, I need a 10 buck raise because gas is just going ludicrous. Yeah. It's not magic, man. The 10 bucks is not going to come out of nowhere. It's going to come out of someone's pocket. And We're not printing it. That's, that's just, well... <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't get into that that's that's a whole other world but okay so let's just dive into this guys let's, let's do let's, it you guys want to start with some questions let's just get the ball rolling because you guys are brand new into the business you guys are still learning it's great that you kind of follow me and you met certain people i kind of boast about certain people and i always i'll always recommend people too i vouch for them because i've used them before right but i've also had people on the show and then they tell me some great tidbits and then i share those tidbits with everybody else so over to you guys man the first thing that I think uh, killed me, I guess, was kind of like feeling alone a little bit. Like, who do you reach out to? Are you doing good enough? What do people think when you're in someone's house? Because everyone's working from home now. So you don't just get, you know, their kitchen, their bathroom, and they, they leave at nine, they come back at five. You kind of feel alone. Like, you know, even you're driving to the Home Depot, like your suppliers are like, oh, you know, am I, like, what's really going on? Like, Am I doing the right thing? Like, what do other people think of me? Like, especially social media now, too. It's like, you see all the big guys, and then you're just like that little guy, you know, in your little truck. Like, how do, how do you overcome feeling that way? I'm lucky. I have support from, obviously, I'm with my brother, and we're yeah. both partners. Who's younger? Who's older? I'm younger. You're younger. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Like, how do you, you know, family's great, and then some people are more supportive than others. Like, what is it that you're second-guessing the work that you're doing? I guess, you know, second guessing is one thing, but then also like your image of just yourself. I think that's your second guessing of you as a company, you as a brand, you know what I mean? Especially being so new and like you're seeing so many other great contractors, so many other great builders. We know for a fact that social media is filtered oh. to death. We also know for a fact that you, you could look at a page and everything could be pristine, perfect. Is it really that way? I won't know unless I actually walk through the house itself and take a look at it firsthand. 
Yeah. So I really don't know. How do you? I know that like 14 years ago, my very first job was in Blorus Village. I was doing a partial main floor basement by myself, like full gut, rip apart, all run, break the concrete, century home, all kinds of shit. I was like a puppy because the homeowners would leave in the morning. I was already there working. They would be gone all day. I would do my work, take pictures, make suggestions, go back and forth. They would arrive and I'd be like so excited that someone's here because I've been by myself the whole time. When I was working, I just kept my head down and I just did the task. So when you're doing it, you don't second guess yourself. You just ask yourself, what's the way you should be doing this? That was way 14 years ago. So social media wasn't there yet. And you had a little bit of the web that you could go and take a look at certain things. But I mean, today, I, I don't think that you should compare yourself to other people out there and how they're doing it because you don't know the full story of what or how they got to that point on how they built certain things. There are certain trades on social media that I'll look and I'm like blown away on how they pulled off certain things. I can study it, look at it, and eventually I'll figure it out. And I, that's where the true trim guys, let's say, the true tile guys are. They've, they've caused an effect, figured it out over time, but they didn't figure it out right away. You're at the stage of, I'm still learning. Oh yeah. So if you're still learning and we know that either you guys at one and a half years, me at 14, Carlito at 30, Jim at 50, you're still learning every single day. You still pick up a trick. Everything's evolving. So you've got another toy that's on the, you know, in the sandbox and all of a sudden you're building something new. You still have to learn how to figure that out. Like it wasn't, it was maybe five years ago that Jim actually started doing heated floors. That's all new to him. And he was still figuring it out. I was doing heated floors like eight, nine years ago and figuring it out. So it's like, there's always something new. You could reach out to anybody, ask them a genuine question. I find that if anybody's going to reach back to you, they're a genuine person. Yeah. If they don't give a shit about you, they won't get back to you. If th- that means that they're more focused on their following, their engagement, their crap or whatever, and they just want these pristine, perfect images. If they don't get back to you, I don't think that they're going to get back to you because they're focused on that more. But there are a bunch of guys and girls out there that are genuine that will get back to you if you ask them a question. Yeah, most people actually have who we reach out to. Yeah, which is great. Especially on social media, they're yeah. great. And you know, especially now, everything's so crazy over the last year and a half. Even with quotes too, trying to find other companies and things like that, trying to get quotes and things. We understand too. It's like, it's just sometimes you're just so caught up in your own thing. It's totally fine if they don't get back. So to can us. you give me an example of something that you came across recently that you were doing and you started questioning yourself because the way you were doing it? I can't pinpoint something specific. It's just more of a feeling. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, I want to say maybe your. Uh, pride and passion and how maybe picky you are at yourself yeah. kind of ruins that for you. Yeah. So maybe what I'm trying to say or ask is how do you get over almost yourself in a way too? The way you do it, I think I'm trying to remember, I think it was this week or last week, someone reached out to me and oh, Zach, it was Zach from Righteous Building, Righteous Contractor. He was like, Manny, how do you get over a funk? Yeah, that's big. How yeah. do you get over a funk? Like Because all of us go through funks all the time, right? So... The way I, I expressed it to him, I just said, go back in time and think about all the times that you actually pulled off something that you didn't know that you could pull off and you pulled it off. So start thinking about the accomplishment that you, that you had in the past. Because in construction, we've all had accomplishments. Oh, yeah. So we started something. We did heated floors for the first time. We did a low bearing beam for the first time. We did all kinds of stuff for the first time. And when you did it and you pulled it off and you got it right, it felt good. Oh, it feels great every right? time. So I would say that you want to get over the funk. Go back to those times where you go, remember that time where I actually carved out boulder foundation to put a new window in it? 
when, like, when I was looking at it going, this is like a sliver of a window, the submarine windows. And all of a sudden you're like thinking, how the fuck am I going to cut boulder foundation to get a wind, a larger window that let more light in there. And then you figure it out. You yeah. figure it out how to cut it from either from the inside or from the outside, or you just get a quick cut. You figure it out. Go back in time and just think about all the little figure outs that you figured out, and that'll push you past the funk to get over the one that you're figuring out right now. Yeah. Shiplap did it to me two weeks ago. Is that what it is? Shiplap? <laughs> I, I, I think that's what triggered the whole thing. Is really? The shiplap. Oh, yeah. yeah. Why? What was Shiplap all about? Trying to spray it. Finish the finished coat, yeah. Okay. Trying. We have this little gray coat sprayer. because we, We're going to actually buy a machine this year. We have this little guy. And with the tip that we got, 314, you're supposed to, and in the Benjamin was score scuff X paint. Yeah. You're supposed to Which lay is it great on, paint. Oh, phenomenal. Amazing paint. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. And uh, spraying it, spraying it, whatever. Everything's coming out. It's like perfect. We use, bond, we use like the Bondo, everything, all the holes. Like he, Justin's super good at the holes now and everything. Half an hour, I'm like, watch. I swear to God, I'm watching this paint dry. And it just runs. My heart sank. <laughs> Happened twice. So too much paint. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> no kidding. So wipe it off. Dab well, it. Back of the sponge. That's all it is, man. Well, you go, you sand it. Yeah. Sand it all down nice. Yeah, yeah. You uh, rebondo it. Wait for everything to dry nice. You do it again. But that's all trial and error, man. Yeah. yeah. One of the best tips that you can actually get from any painter is uh, tips, man. Just know your tips. Yeah. There's a tip for every single thing that you need to do. Yep. Just understand the tips that belong to the guns. Yep. Understand what the purpose is of the tip. And then you'll see a night and day difference in painting. I realize that actually. Yeah. Yeah. Between last year when we started spring and then this year. Oh, huge difference. Yeah. Yeah. So you learned it from there. Yeah, I, yeah. I bet you didn't do it ever again. Oh, yeah. Right. You kidding me? No way. I'm not spending, <laughs> I'm not spending another two days watching paint dry in my life. Where do you want to go here? Okay, guys, where, what, what's next here? Well, you know what? Uh, we can go back and forth. Yeah, no, just keep on. I'm just looking at the yeah. list here. And so just keep on going back and forth and just bringing it up, man. How do you wake up every morning and tell yourself that today is going to be the good day that you're going to win? You know what I mean? You're going to... Like, you're like, fuck. I'm of a generation of Stuart Smalley. So I don't even know if you guys know about that from Saturday Night Live, right? Where the guy would wake up in the morning, look at himself in the mirror, he goes, I'm good enough. I'm smart enough. And I'm gosh darn <laughs> it. People like me. I don't, I don't do that. No. I, I think what I do is before I go to sleep, I'm running shit through my head about what's going to work tomorrow or the day after or this week or next week. I'm still running through what's happening there and trying to tell myself to figure it out when I wake up. Because yeah. the thing is, whatever happened today, good or bad, or whatever happened this week, good or bad, you can't change any of that shit. Yeah. All you can do is prepare for the shit that's coming. So if you can tell yourself before you go to sleep, and there's actually some logic behind that, where you do go to sleep and you're constantly telling yourself, how do I solve this? What's the answer? How do I figure this out? How do I do all that shit? You go to sleep, subconsciously, you'll figure it out. You'll wake up with the thought in your head. One of the worst things that you can do, you guys probably know this, don't fucking look at your phone before you go to sleep. Yeah. Don't. Ask yourself all these questions. The best thing you can actually do is read a page or two of any book you want. If you're reading, it gets your mind thinking. And then ask yourself, what do I have to do tomorrow? What is it that I haven't figured out? And you'll see, you'll discover something. Did you find that strangers or people you just met helped or encouraged you more than uh, those that are closest to you? Oh, that's a thousand percent, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you can have people. Okay. Everybody knows that you're, you got an idea. Your family will probably fucking shoot it down a lot harder than your closest friend sometimes. And then a complete stranger you just met could probably throw the idea at that person and they'll be like giving you a bunch of support. 
It actually happened today. I actually reached out to somebody. I planted something in the conversation. I suggested this is what I'm kind of looking for. She suggested you should speak to this person. She connected me to that person. A couple hours later, I get a message from that person saying, listen, I can actually chat right now. Do you want to do a call right now? I said, sure. I called her. We got talking. I explained the situation. And she came up with two amazing ideas. And I'm like going, this is a complete stranger that I suggested something. And then she came back at me and gave me two great ideas. I'm like, I never even looked at it that way. Sometimes you got to have fresh eyes looking at it. Sometimes your circle of friends, sometimes your family, they're too blinded. They don't have fresh eyes. So you got, I think the best thing you can do is ask. I'm not saying divulge everything, but ask people, Yeah. right? Just be aware of like, okay, what, what if I were to do this? What if I were to try that? What do you think of this? And see what kind of input you get from that. We do that all the time, all the time on the job sites. I love it when we get closer towards the end of a job where you got multiple trades on the job site and you see guys interacting with each other and you got tile guys with trim guys, you got painters and so on. And they're all picking each other's brains, trying to figure out well, okay, that's how that professional does it. That's how that professional does it. I never knew that trick. I never knew that trick. Yeah. And that's their arsenal. So they get communicating between each other. Yeah. And then you pick up tricks. Why are you doing that? You're doing that because either you want to do it for your own purpose, for your own personal house, or you're doing it because maybe you're going to do a trade switch. Maybe you're going to choose a different career. Yeah. Which from my understanding is 2022 is the, the year of changing careers, man. Oh, There's a lot of guys moving back and forth from different trades, right? Or even getting into GC and all this other stuff. So, On a personal note, did you close yourself off to family and friends while creating a brand, being hyper-focused on your business and goals? Um, everybody's got a different situation, I guess, with the family, right? So yeah. it's just... Um, it's interesting that Carly is not here because he's dealing with a family situation. Yeah. And I've always said that you can't be so absorbed in construction that you completely ignore your personal life. You can't be fully consumed that it's a constant five, six days a week. And then your seventh day, you're actually spending paperwork. So technically, it's, a, it's an eight-day week for you at that point. You're constantly working on your business. Yeah. You can't do that. You have to have a life. You're gonna, if you're married, you're going to ignore your significant other. If you've got children, you're going to ignore your, your children. There's a ripple effect to all that shit. So I think the same way that as GCs are on a job site and you're scheduling trades and you're, you, you're on the schedule really well and you've got everything timed from the very beginning of the job to the end of the job, you're setting aside a certain amount of time for your family as well. You just do it. And I've also learned that I learned quick. Don't answer the phone, man. Clients are reaching out and they're texting you like past five o'clock. You don't have to answer unless it's an emergency. Right. But if it's just like, oh, I had a thought because I was watching HDTV or I had a thought because I was looking at Pinterest, that answer, that does, it doesn't belong at that moment. It could be assessed the next morning oh, yeah. when you start your day, when you start your day very early. Yeah. So I would just say don't ignore the, your family in your life because it's going to it's going to have an effect later on, man. Yeah, Big time. So it's a balancing act. You got to figure out what's valuable here. Yeah. That's all it is. Everybody's got their own way of running a family or how they interact with their family. We've got our 10 or whatever, 11 statutory holidays that we have across the country here. So there's those days that we can get together. But I mean, don't ignore the family just because you want to get keep on going with the construction. There's always time. I've always said that, uh, first of all, wake up earlier. I've told people, listen, four o'clock in the morning, man, you get a solid two and a half hours to do a bunch of stuff for yourself or for your business or for whatever. Quiet time. And then you feel really productive and then you start your day. And that means that you guys got to go to bed at 10, 1030. I get it. You're in your 20s. So you don't fucking go to bed at 10, 1030. 
but you're losing all this opportunity if you don't do that. If you're rushing in the morning, six or seven o'clock in the morning, you're going to be rushing. And then all of a sudden you didn't get any production done before you got your job done. I try to get to sleep by 1030. <laughs> Snoozing by then. It's easy, man. You just, you, I, I set a timer on my iPhone. It's got that sleep down thing, whatever. So, yeah. Yeah. So, it, so it actually tells me. It tell, So if I'm actually working away or doing some stuff and I completely forget what time it is, it just tells me, by the way, you got to start sleeping down. Bring it down. Shut it down. I got it. Yeah. And well, that's all it that's is. That's what man. my significant other tells me. Shut it down. It's nice, man. It's nice to go to bed. At, like latest I'd go to bed is 11 o'clock. That'll affect me. But then I'm up at four. So it's five hours. I'm trying to get six hours now. So that means I got to go at 10. Have if, to go at 10. If I don't get six minimum, I, I don't know if it's just uh, maybe the stress and so much on your mind. It's like recently, the sleep is just, even if I were to get eight, Feels like I got two. It's not, just, it's not good quality sleep though, because you could be rolling around thinking about a bunch of shit. Or waking up at four in the morning like last night. Yeah, <laughs> it could be, man. That's that's uh, what you guys got to figure it out. Yeah, I, maybe that's what it is. Maybe I'm getting enough hours and just no quality. Um, Carlito tells me all the time he takes his power naps, man. He's like good for if he takes about a half hour power nap, he'll be good for hours and hours. Oh really? I can't do power naps, man. No, I find that if you clear your head. You got to figure out ways to clear your head. Get it out of your system. Yeah. So if it means like 10 minutes of literally fucking meditating and just clearing your head and just breathing, if it means going for a walk for 10 minutes, go for a walk and either listen to music, certain kinds of songs, or don't listen to anything and just hear the atmosphere, clear your head. Like do something that, like if you're consumed with a bunch of stuff, just do something to the alternative of that. Yeah. Clear your head and all of a sudden you'll be in a better state. You'll go to sleep. You'll be sleeping better. You'll wake up better exercise exercise is key you guys are younger you have to do it it's harder for us yeah that's that's a must man that's like a, that's mandatory everybody in construction thinks that the, the construction is exercise that's total crap it's not it's not it's not right so we still have to exercise it's it kind of find a hobby and exercise too yeah whether it's hockey i yeah. don't know uh soccer so whatever just be active man yeah we both bike yeah that's yeah. perfect man yeah yeah snowboard whatever the case is even, some people hate the cold, but you know what? Sometimes when you're out there... I'm one of those people, man. Oh, I hate the cold, too, I but I still do it. can't stand the cold, man. It was, <laughs> it was nice and warm yesterday. No, it was, even today was okay. What do you find and see in other upcoming trades, contractors that are both good and also things that, uh, you know? What do I find and see in upcoming trades, contractors that are both good and also things that are bothering you? This year, and I'd say half of last year, I think too many trades are spending too much money on tools that they don't necessarily need. Oh, yeah. Big time. I That's think it's true. a disease. I think it's an addiction. I think it's, uh, I think people just want the latest and the greatest. They don't need it. Uh, there's maybe two schools of thought where it's like their mentality is if I get the latest and greatest, it's going to make me a better tradesperson. Not true. No. But if I get the latest and greatest, then I'm part of the cool kids. Not true. So if I get the latest, it just means that I'm trying to present an image that I, I'm not. That's probably the true one. You got to figure out there's a buyer's remorse mentality. Do you really fucking need a $500 new laser level? Do you need it? No. no. Do you need an impact gun that can drill five more extra screws faster than another, the one that you have right now? No. Do you need another impact gun that's got like two inches? It's smaller. No. no. You don't. So if you don't need all these things, just make your tools last longer. Take care of it. That's Maintain it. Them. Like, so you don't, uh, that's one gripe. Like, I think guys and girls are, are spending too much money on new arsenal of tools. Yeah. 
and I don't think it's right. I think that you should be watching it. I think guys and girls are also spending too much money on vehicles. It's the same mentality. Everybody in electric right now, like that's the whole state of emergency right now. Everyone with a, with a $2 liter right now, electric vehicles are not the solution. I'm nope. sorry. Going nope. out and spending $100,000 on an electric vehicle, that's not the solution. Nope. It's not. I'm sorry. It's not. This will drop. The fuel will drop. We don't know where it's going to go. But electric vehicles, electric pickup trucks, electric whatever, it's not the solution. But if you do get it, then sure, if you're making that much money, sure, I don't really see it. I don't see how if you're a specific tradesperson and you spend 100000 on an electric vehicle, how you're going to pay that off quick enough or how you're going to make money off of that. I don't see it. Maintenance-wise, probably not either. Well, maintenance attached to a regular combustible engine vehicle in the first three years is what? Two oil changes. You still have your tires in those three years. You're mm-hmm. swatching over to, to winter tires, so whatever. You're buying a set of winters. You'd have to do that for an electric vehicle anyway. That's it. So it's just like if you crunch the numbers, you, f- you realize that it's not, it doesn't make any sense. To me, it doesn't make any sense. So I've been embracing all my older tools. I've been looking at it. I've been discovering that I find I had more than this. I had that. I, had, I didn't realize that. I bought that one. I got this one or whatever. So I think that also with the trades, assess your business on a monthly basis, man. Figure out exactly are you making money or you think you're making money. There's a huge difference in both of those, right? So you could be thinking, sure, I'm booked here. I got this job. We got this going on. We got this many trades going on. But am I making money? Because everybody else might be making money. But am I making money? We know for a fact GC, quarterback, last one to get the money. Yeah. First one to get the money, but that money's already spent because you're paying for the trades to get the ball rolling. But last one to get the money, and that last check is based on the entire scope. And performance almost. For, exactly. So, I mean, if you reassess your business on a monthly basis, find out for sure. Are you making money? Get friendly with your bookkeeper. That's another thing. Tell Trades should be having a bookkeeper. Someone should be dedicated to look at your paperwork. Maybe it should be fresh eyes. Again, you get somebody else who's looking at it as fresh eyes, man. I think that's important. So that kind of goes into uh, what I wanted to talk about. Is all, also over-investing in your business. Do you think that's a thing? Of course it is, 100%. Yep. You got to figure out, okay, so do I need all these things? Do I really, if you're a specific trade, HVAC, plumber, electrical, there's an arsenal of things that you absolutely need. Yeah. That's, that's just a fact. If you're a GC, mm, there's a short list because you're hiring people. So do you really need it or do you just want it? That's big. Right? Oh, now, okay, huge. so in, investing in your business. Okay, how much marketing are we going to do? Yeah. I know before off mic, we were we were having a great lunch, by the way, or dinner, because you guys brought food from Montfort, which is amazing, oh, right? Fantastic. It was, like, it was great to sit down and have some vino as well, which is great. But I mean, like off mic, we were talking about that. We were just figuring it out. Like, what do we do at that point? You you were spending some coin on SEO, which was benefiting you. You got a job as, as a result of it. Yeah. You just got to be, I guess, smarter about it. Like, I know that we did a show way back when with Mike Mole from Social Media House, and he was talking about Google and specifically the brackets and, and setting up the keywords and putting square brackets around those keywords to maximize your so, uh, search engine optimization of those specific keywords. Because when you start doing SEO, you're typing in a bunch of fucking words. Renovation, general contractor, bathroom, kitchen, backyard, whatever. You're doing a bunch of words. You might be doing yourself a bunch better service if you actually just pinpoint kitchen countertop dishwasher and do all these keywords and then people are looking for those kinds of jobs you find them faster as a result of it so you're maximizing your dollar value that you're using on seo 
So it's a smart way to do it. Just look into it because there's a way to do it. There's a science behind it. Obviously, Google loves this because you spend more money. Oh, they love it. They love it. Oh, so yeah. you're spending more money, yeah. right? But you get a job and you're like happy. All of a sudden, it's like you found some crack cocaine. You're like going, I'm great. I'm an addict. I got a job out of it. I spent 20 grand, but I got one <laughs> job out of it. There's an ROI you got to figure out, right? Yeah. It's easy to overspend. Everybody now is doing graphics, which is great. Do I, I'm of the mind, do we really need business cards in a digital age these days? I don't even know if you need business cards these days. That's just me. I mean, I, I, I did business cards 14 years ago. I have not done another run since. Really? Yeah. The number hasn't changed. I never put a mailing address on it. It had a website address, which is still the same web address. I don't have to change anything on that business card. It's like ours. We haven't changed anything. Yeah. No. First so you, run, I still have them. So there's no reason for you guys to do a new business card unless you guys want to start getting American Cycle and all of a sudden go, oh, I want to have a specific font and a specific texture and a specific thickness and specific everything. That, I think, is a waste of money, I think. I think today, I've said this all last year and going into this year, you have to be careful about where you're spending the money. Oh, yeah. You have to figure. And that goes back to your monthly assessments where you need to figure out, are you making money? Because if you're not, you have to pivot. You have to shift and figure out, where did I lose my money? I started doing that earlier. I started, Subtrace would give me a quote. I would look at the numbers. Sure, looks good. I wouldn't dive into the numbers. And then I'd present it, get the job. Then I started diving into the numbers going, well, hang on a sec. This is a little high. This is a little high. This is a little high. That At that point, you start negotiating with the trade. And you start going, well, you got to bring it down a tiny bit. Then I can make more profit, right? So we can talk about profit as well. Oh. So, I mean, everybody talks about if you're not making, I mean, there's some jokers out there with some trades. If you're not making like 50% profit, then you're fucking out of the game. And I'm like, there's nobody in construction that's making 50%. No chance. It's impossible, right? I think as a GC, as a business owner, you want to try to run, like run 20. If you can get to 30, then by all means, you're doing something really well. But if you can somehow have 20% minimum profit at the end of your assessment of your job, then you're doing something well. Right? You want to strive for 30, try to get to 25. The last few jobs I've done, I was around 24, 23. So it was working well for me. It was good. right? But there was room when I looked at it for improvement, for me to make more money to try to get to 30. You're still running a business, so you still have to make money. So that's why I was saying it's like you have to assess your business on a monthly timeline. You have to figure out, am I really making money or do I think I'm making money? Us being new, do we... Are we saying, you know, we got to make the profit, whatever? I think at this time, what's also kind of killing maybe our profit margins are we want to get the referrals. We want to get the jobs. We want to learn, of course. But we advertise also advertise a lot. You want to, you know, you want to advertise. The, you know, so when you guys say advertise, where are you guys advertising? Google's big. Okay. Yeah, pretty much. That's the primary. That's our primary. That's yeah. it. We're not on any of those. So what's the ROI on your Google that you guys expend? on Google and the jobs that you've come gotten from those Googles? So, so far, uh, we've had tons of quotes go out. Okay, but now return? getting quotes and then getting jobs right. are two different things. So far, two jobs in the last, uh, we're going to say, nine months. For how many quotes? <sighs> 20. Not so good, I know. So you're over-quoting. You need to vet your clients, your potential clients. You're quoting too many wrong clients. I believe it. You're totally. You should be vetting them on the phone. You should be asking them key questions on the phone. So they found you through Google, through search, SEO. 
they got wind of you. They know who you are. They've gone to your site. They see what you guys can pull off. You guys are part of the, the list now that can actually contribute to giving them a quote. Sure. Now it's your turn. Your turn to SEO them. You need to call them up and have a conversation with them. Have a, a very candid, open conversation. You're fishing. You're trying to figure out, are these my client? Or are they kicking my tires? Are they looking for a third quote? Are they a legitimate client that wants to hire me? That's what you need to find out. So you got to pick certain questions that cater to your business, your model. Do I want to spend my time and effort being at that house for X amount of time? Otherwise, if you start getting wind that that's not the right client, then don't bother quoting. You just save yourself quoting. But if it is the right client, then quote it and quote it well, because then you'll get the job. I learned that. Yeah. One client, uh, was it? Found him in November. Back and forth. Came to his house. And something was kind of like, he's kind of like picking at certain things I was saying. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So, <laughs> fired off that quote. I'm gone. I'd be gone. Yeah. Well, yeah. so, fired us being, you know, it's just like, of course, know, I get uh, it. Hungry, right? Yeah. So, I go, fire off that quote. A week later, calls me, and I'm just going to go train with my uh, cycling coach. We were doing out, outdoor training, whatever. So, he goes, do you have time? I'm like, you know what? I'm on the road right now. I don't have the quote in front of me. I'm driving, but if. Minor odds and ends. I got 30 minutes. Let's go. Hour and 45 minutes later. For him to tell me that I I didn't get the job because I'm not going to, you know, my price is too high or this and that. I'm like, sir, you understand the magnitude of what you're asking for, right? You understand that your house was 3,500 square feet and you're asking for kitchens, bathrooms, laundries, all new flooring, slabs, this moved here. Open up all the doorways. I go, uh, I don't know what to tell you, but, uh, you know, if I'm a little bit high, I get it, but I think I'm in the ballpark. He goes, well, I don't think this, and he kept telling me stuff. I'm like, by the way, this entire conversation, I vetted you, and I don't think you're the right client for me either. He actually said that? I said that to him. You said that to I him. I said, I'm like, I Good. don't think I'm, because you know what? Like, How did he respond to that? <clears throat> Defensive? Yeah, of course. And then You're there an hour and 45 minutes. You spent too much time. I know. You spent way too much time. I, well, that was just on the phone, not including the time at his house measurements and getting all the right little things and so how long was the meeting that you first met him oh that was well because i didn't want to get all the measurements right away just so i can base everything off of uh, but your first meeting you don't care about measurements but you know what though a lot of these people are asking for that let them you don't have to answer that question you're there to assess them yeah you're not there to measure we've got skills I joke about it with my family or my good friends. You want me to come by? Sure, it's 500 bucks an hour. I don't give a shit. Like if you go over, whenever I have a family function, every sibling is picking my brain. I've got this going on, I wanna change that and all this other shit. If one of the family members were a gynecologist, would you start talking about all the stuff that's going on and you want to get their opinion about it? No, you wouldn't. Like you're getting a family get together, you just wanna chill out and hang out and just talk, right? Right. So it's just like, you have skills. Don't abuse your skills. Just, you go there, your mission is not to get the job. Your mission is not to sell yourself. When you first meet these clients, it's not. Your mission there is literally, you're just going in there to meet two complete strangers, if it's a two-person family or whatever. You're just meeting strangers, and you're assessing a property that's up for sale. 
you're just a, a neighborhood kicker that's walking in, saw a for sale sign, and you're one of those nosy neighbors. That's all it is. You're subconsciously walking around and making mental notes of the property. You're also asking them key questions, asking both of them key questions to figure out their personalities, to figure out where are, where are their cards? How much is their budget? How much of a credit line do they have? What do they really want to spend? What are the important rooms that they really want to focus on? Everybody that gets a contractor inside their house is like, oh, we want to do the kitchen, but we're also thinking about doing the upstairs master, and we're also about doing this and about doing that. They'll dangle that carrot forever, man. If you listen to all that crap, you're going to be there for an hour and 45 minutes talking to them. So you're not there to sell yourself. You're not there to get the job. You're not. You're there to find out, are they the client for me? That's it. You already did your job about getting them. They found you. They called you. Now you got to do your job. Are they right for me? Because how long does it take you to do a quote? A few hours. Oh, my God. Yeah. We're, we're getting time. Oh, my God. We're getting better because we're starting to find all our yeah, numbers. All our sucks too. Yeah. So all of a sudden you're getting all the numbers in there. So I already know this is going to cost that. This is going to cost that. That's the square footage. I get it. I understand that. doesn't mean that it still doesn't take you time. You Vet drive. your clients, man. Yeah. The drive there, the drive back. Sometimes it's, you know, you, you try to be flexible. So you kind of go, you know, you leave your current client's job or, you know, you take off your belt, jump in the car, truck, whatever. And then before you know it, it's already four o'clock. Don't make yourself available, bend backwards for every single person that calls you to go there. Don't. There's no reason to. I realized that real quick. Yeah. People there's, don't care. There's, there's like, they were having a conversation. Something came up. Call him, see if he'll come over right now. The fuck are you like a 24 hour like seven just I, i'll back and call and just drop everything and go no remember my family time so you got to schedule that too yeah you got to put yourself forward yeah. first so it's important to do that so i, I it's an that's experience but that's also people people that are good with other people you read people so you totally that's why it's always good to speak to somebody face to face they call you on the phone they go listen i can't talk right now Shoot me an email. We'll schedule a time. Send me some points. Discuss about key features that you want to do. Let them reveal themselves so then you can make an assessment whether or not this is a good fit. You got to that point of telling that client, I don't think this is a good fit based on me vetting you. Too late. You should have got there from that first email. You should have got there from that first brief phone call. And you probably would have got there if you actually spent the time and effort to pay attention to certain signals. Yeah. And then you could have avoided that quote and focused your energy on another quote. Or on the current job, get it done quicker. Yeah. Make yeah. the profit that you should. That's what you want to try to shoot for, right? It's funny going back to how family picks. Friends do it too. Friends do it all the time. Oh, yeah. I just tell my friends I'm too expensive. Then they hire somebody wrong and then they go, well, Manny, how would you fix that? I was going, I wouldn't. I came over for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> do you find it hard to look at the construction industry knowing that there are companies, trades, people willing to learn? effort in care and the other side of business is when people just slap material both on the floor walls we talked about this we oh, talked yeah. about it off mic off right mic, just before yeah. we got started we we're having dinner and we talked about the price versus passion the price passion balance that whole scale and at some point in your construction career you guys are new at it at some point you guys are going to have to decide is price more valuable than passion is passion more valuable than price you can't have both I don't give a shit who you are. You can't. You have to decide, am I going to spend my effort to make the money I need to? Or am I going to spend my effort to try to change the industry? 
to try to make it better for everybody. The unfortunate thing is that the majority of tradespeople in this industry choose the price. And that, in my opinion, is the better move. It is. I've fought the passion since day one. All it's done is just given me headaches over and over and over. It's lost me money because I wanted to try new things. Try new things on your personal projects. Try new things on your projects for your friends. Try new things for your projects for your family. Because then you can tell them, listen, I'm going to do this for cheaper because I'm going to help you out. But you're going to let me try and experiment certain things. Right? And then focus on the client's price. So you make the profit margin. But you're constantly, every single day, price passion. You're balancing it. You're trying to figure it out. And you literally have to tell yourself this in a mirror. You have to decide. You can't just wake up one day. Monday, it's going to be price. Tuesday, it's going to be passion. It's like a relationship that you need to fucking end. You have to decide whether you're going to stay or you're going to go. That's all. You have to decide on one or the other. And it's not that you're wrong. You're not wrong if you choose one or the other. It's just the one that you choose, you have to stick with it. I find that a lot of union trades, they're price, man. All, all price. They're price. It's price, right? So it's just like a lot of custom guys start passion. Then they start quickly realizing it's not making me money. My guys are making money. The trades are making money. Everybody before the end make money. Yeah. I'm so passionate and you get the compliments from the clients and the client's friends and the client's family and they love you and all this other stuff and it's great. Everything's all hunky dory. But in the end, you still have to make money. You're a business. It's a business. And if you're not making money, it's a hobby. If it's a hobby, then tell yourself in the mirror, it's a hobby. I don't know anybody in construction that just makes it a hobby. No. I mean, it's price or passion. You just got to choose that. So I think a lot of people, the majority of the construction industry is obviously on price. That is a smarter move. Passion, you got your personal projects to try to that, do that. Maybe do once or twice a year so you have that so you can still feed that what you always, the reason why you got into the industry. Right. That's important to feed that. Like I, I call it a monster, but you're feeding it. It's important to mon because the thing is in the beginning, I was go lucky, completely happy, love the passion, always trying things, going to trade shows, doing this, talking to people, reaching out, going to suppliers and raising my voice to actually pose a question out there. Someone would overhear it. Why don't you try this? Why don't you try that? I don't know who you are. Nice to meet you. I'm so-and-so. Then you get talking, you're conversing, you're learning stuff, you're trying new ideas. You're a GC. You're talking to a concrete person. You're talking to a frame. You're talking to a Tyler. You're talking to all these people and you're trying to get more passion yeah. to do that. But is it making you money? No, it's not. No. It's not gearing you towards making money. So, But it's a business. You still need to make money. So now you got to rein it back in and go back to pricing. Make sense? Oh, yeah. I, I think especially at the start, we were the same way. Happy, happy, whatever. Try to, you know. But then now you start assessing your numbers. And you're like, well, my numbers are not good. What if your profit starts going down to like 10%? Then what happens? How are you supposed to sustain that? Gas has gone up 75 cents. So you start figuring out the extra numbers. You're spending an extra, what, 1500 bucks a year on gas. Easy. Yeah. So that's coming out of your profit. Now your profit went from 20 to 18%, and then it drops some more. There's a fuck-up on the site. You got to eat it. So now you got to pay for it. So all of a sudden, you drop it again, you drop it again, you drop it again. Lose the passion, go better price. When I say lose the passion, reduce the passion. Yes. Increase the price. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Right? You got to know how to... It's no different than changing the setting on a tool. That's all it is, man. Nobody needs a table saw blade full extension if you're cutting quarter-inch veneer material. There's no purpose for that. <laughs> no. Right? You have it, but you don't need to do it that way. So same with price and passion, man. Reel in the passion and pump up the price. 
then then you get the thirty percent no problem, man. Well, and then people respect you too. Uh, depends on the work. I think it always falls down on the work, man. I actually, so I know those are the questions. I had a bunch of stuff there that I want to just discuss with you guys. Partnerships. Oh, this yeah. is something that Carlito wanted to talk about, how he's never had the best of luck with partnerships. I honestly believe that partnerships are a good idea, but you have to find the right partner. And it's not like, oh, you know what? You know how to cut wood. I know how to cut wood. Let's be partners. No, it's got to be a lot more extensive than that. You're talking about vetting clients. You better vet the partner. So if you met each other, I guess, if you, you guys are family, right? So yeah. that's a different story. But if you guys just met each other through social media or you got working or you hired one person, all of a sudden you just started having a conversation and you're like going, okay, we, all, we both get along really well. We kind of jive. We, we make sense or whatever. Have a serious conversation about a partnership, but then have a serious conversation about a partnership. You got to vet each other. You got to listen. How many skeletons you got? How many skeletons you got? Whatever, like you got to go back and forth and you got to figure out, okay, in this scenario, what would you do? Karen Klein comes at you and all of a sudden she starts freaking out on you, starts calling you names, starts calling you worthless, all pieces of shit. How do you react? If you guys are yin yang on that, it might be a good thing, it might be a bad thing. Because it's, it's not a bad idea to have a good cop, bad cop partnership. Because then that way you have a partnership. And the reason I like it is that if you've got more than one job, one partner will take care of one job, another partner will take care of another job. But then if friction starts going on in one job, they can go, listen, do me a favor. They're knowing the hell out of me. Can you come and just babysit the job site today for me just to kind of calm things down? That's a nice valuable lesson for the partnership to work. Yeah. And then they, you can return the favor too if something else is going on. So you guys can feed off each other, good cop, bad cop, right? So, it's, But you gotta know who you're partnering with. I think Carlito's chosen wrong partners. I think he's gone in full passion. They may have gone in full price. That's a conflict. There's friction there. You both have to be on the same page. You, you got to choose either price or choose either passion. You got to choose what, what's our marketing initiative. What's our, uh, what's our expenditure? What's our, what's our mandate? What's our business? What's our mission statement? What's, like, you guys all have to be on the same page. You literally got to be Will Ferrell and fucking John C. Riley stepbrothers. You got to be like, do we just become best <laughs> friends? You have to be that way, seriously. Yeah. Because they'll go through everything thick and thin. You still have your, your personalities. You're still two different people. But you, the agenda's there. The business is there. You still have to focus on the third entity, which is the business. And if you're not both doing that, then there's going to be friction. And then you guys are going to part ways at that point. So yeah. that, that's what I would say about partners, man. See, we're family. Um, family is... I, it's tough. I would not work yeah. with any... I, I've never worked <laughs> with a family. I still live with him. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I've never worked with a family member. I don't know if I can work with a family member, man. You know what? You find out quickly... Uh, in our case, what Justin's good at, and then he finds out what I'm good at, and then I think uh, I think you want the same thing. And I think in my case, I'm older, so I I want to I don't I want exactly what I want for myself. I want for him. I know he has to want it too, but I think I don't want to be you know the big successful brother, and then I oh, just you know like uh, he didn't give me a chance, or he had this passion. I want you always want the same thing. So let me ask somebody. you both. Why did both you guys get into construction? Same reasons, different reasons. What's the reason? Should I be honest? Yeah, of course, yeah. man. <laughs> you can lie, but the bullshit light will go on, man. Our parents are from East Europe, Poland. Okay. Um, 
the background story, I guess, a little bit of our company. Uh, our grandfather, from our father's side, he was a cabinet maker, I guess, carpenter, had his own uh, woodworking shop, DIY, everyone knew him, ran his own business. Unfortunately, he passed away at a young age. We didn't really get to know him, whatever the case is. And then my parents obviously moved here, had no money to hire a contractor, plumber, or whatever. So go to the Home Depot, you buy your things. Do it yourself. So guess what we did every Friday, Saturday, all the weekends, Sunday, yeah. all the weekends, whether it's landscape, fix the house, fix the house, yeah. get it ready. Um, Never thought to hire somebody to do it. Didn't have the money to do it. Didn't, Didn't have, have the money. money. Yeah. And why bother when we were talking uh, off air, uh, my grandfather, grandmother's common law, Manuel, yeah. he was, uh, came from Portugal. He worked high rise concrete, everything came here. Same thing. But he's very meticulous about everything he did. He's helped our family so much. And we learned off of him. And then, obviously, my dad learned off of him, too, in a, a certain skill and taking what his father uh, taught him and kind of blended all things together. We were kind of, I guess, sweeping. <laughs> As kids do, right? Hey, I still do it. I, I still do I still do it. I still, still do, do it. it. You know what I tell myself all the time is even if I get to a point where I'm you know, we're, we're doing these larger rentals or builds, whatever the case is. If someone walks in on a Saturday, they're most likely going to catch me with a broom. Good. The difference between me sweeping 14 years ago and me sweeping today is just I'm better at it. That's all. <laughs> I don't kick the dust up as much. Yeah. That's all it is. You get better at it. There's, no, there's nothing beneath anybody from sweeping. I don't give a shit who you are. It's funny. Those guys, I respect those guys more than, more than especially doing what you do now. You're like, you know what? Like those guys sweep all day. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So you guys kind of fell into construction. Fell, yes. Yeah. Both I, of you. Yeah. I personally, when I was in high school, uh, I didn't, I was like, you know what? Uh, I, I don't know. I don't think that's going to be the route. Then uh, grade 10, there was a class, a shop class. We built Muskoka chairs, whatever. Great. I still have it. <laughs> grade 11, I was never a good student. Actually, could you say we're both good students? I was not a good student. Uh, no, yeah. So in grade 11, um, it was a uh, teacher, uh, Mr. Daly, Patrick Daly. He, I, I did his morning class. I went to math class and I guess period uh, three and four. He did like a co-op. It was like two credits. So you, we did basement framing. Uh, we did deck and the fence. Oh, wow. I fell in love with framing. Okay. But then I was like, no, oh, I guess the one construction took on our class loved it you're you know we're guys we love cars so and then he goes oh you know you're good in construction I'm like to him i love cars more he goes oh good you like your passion if i were to say something to him today i would have i would probably would have thanked him for everything a, a lot of things so and then i kind of did school and here i am today took up a plumbing trade got my cfq got my red seal did that too so i kind of fell into it a little bit and it's what I know. That's the thing. It's also, I think a lot of people get into the industry with what they know. Yeah. Same thing for you, Justin? Yeah, basically. Yeah. Um, at what point did you guys look at each other and say, why don't we start a business? What was the spark that made you guys both think, was it both or was it one or the other that said we should actually work together as a business partnership, start a business? Well, we were flipping houses with our dad. Yeah. Every couple projects, every couple of years, we always wanted to obviously do better. We wanted to get our name out there, sort of. We're just like, what can we do? One project, me and Greg were talking, just 
let's open up a company one day. Maybe this is a good thing for us, something to try. It's new. Last year, we just kind of. How was that first job? The well, first client. So first client was with our friend uh, from Rosebridge Builders. Okay. Client was actually really good. It was a fun. I learned also then too, you're walking to someone's house and you're kind of almost like sometimes a marriage counselor. Of course. I learned that. With therapist. It. You're their therapist. Yeah. I learned that. I think that's the first thing I learned about being a business owner. You Relationships. Are. Unfortunately, you are. Great people. When it came down to the extras, I'm not going to say who, one of the parties in the relationship didn't understand why and why everything got to a number. And because one person were making the decisions and just wanted everything. Yeah, we've been down there before. Now, do I believe we could have been a little bit more on every extra say, okay, well, this is priced right away. But sometimes there's a lot of delays. This is when COVID was like a little bit hard. This was like... Yeah, you guys are starting your business in COVID. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, but I mean, with your extras, did you, they asked for an extra. Oh, was time. it just one or was it both there that both. asked for the extra one? One. Yeah. So now the one that's questioning the extras, is that the same person that was there asking for the extra? No. So they're playing that game where they asked for it, but I don't know what you're talking about. So it was kind of like, you're right. I don't know what you're talking about. It, it had to happen. We couldn't get someone else to do it. You know, the family said no. But just, just get it done. We'll figure it out. But the extra is physically there. It's like it's, it's been done. It's happened. It's happened, right? Materials. Did there. you guys get the money for the extra up front, or no. you guys waited till the end, right? So that's that's like, listen, we've all gone through there. Yeah. You do the extra. You want to keep the the boat moving. You want to get the work done. So you just keep on going, and then you politely ask for the extra amount during the course of the rental. They just drag it, drag it to the very end, and it becomes a negotiation. So the cardinal rule is that you got an extra, here's the bill. Pay the bill. The extra starts the moment you pay the bill. If you don't pay the bill, nothing's moving forward. You let them know nothing's moving forward. That's going to get them to pay the extra. On our second job. Yeah, now you learn. So you take it from there, for sure. Right away. You know, we did Bring it up. Here's the bill. Sign off on it. Yeah. In whatever fashion you want. I don't give a shit. And then you do the work. You get the bill. You get the payment. You get the work. Yeah. Simple. It's not an argument at the end. It's not a discussion at the end. I'm going to say not a discussion. It's not a discussion. If you don't get the payment at the moment, it becomes an argument at the end. Yeah. Where you have to concede. That's the shitty thing. Unfortunately. That sucks. Yeah. I know. Yeah. So. So you guys both went in. Yeah. A certain mindset. Yeah, and I, I think it also comes from uh, our mom too. She's like, you know, family's number one. You you got to work through things. You got to you, you got to make it work. And and then um, and at the same time, you know, you want to work with your brother. You you want to also make your family proud too. Like mm-hmm. you know, parents uh, went through their hardships. They raised two good good kids, and um, that's what it is, right? Like you still work full time. I still do, yeah. Yeah, so in my mind, every day when I work is when he finally leaves, I got to make sure there's enough work for, for the, him to do. For him to do. Yeah. That's another thing I think that kind of it always plays in the back of your mind and maybe sometimes it gets you going, stresses you out, whatever the case is, however you want to call it. And, and also, I think in a partnership, both people got to know what their strengths are and forget about talking about your strengths. You got to talk right away what your weaknesses are. And that's the first conversation you got to. If you don't. That's what I was saying. You got to vet each other. Man. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Right. 
Was is that where the name came from? Because the whole family and yeah, okay, yeah. that's where it makes sense, right? Yeah, yeah, and we kind of did the logo. A, yeah, and the logo too. We believe uh, the Cardinals. When you see a Cardinal, you know. Yeah. That's that's. It pops. It, yeah. 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 You, you take notice of a Cardinal. Yeah. Whenever you see it, that, I actually kind of like that as it works. Yeah, that's our thing. Yeah. yeah okay. All right, so just going to keep on moving along here. I want to actually talk about legal. I want to talk about uh, if you're in construction, I've told everybody that's been in construction, more so GCs than tradespeople, you're going to come across a legal situation. You guys hopefully haven't come across it yet, but you will come across it at some point. You're going to have to, you know, like either decide on small claims. We're talking about Canada here. So you either talk about small claims or you talk about superior court, which it gets, it gets greater than 25,000. Small claims is 25,000 and less. And then uh, you're going to figure out real quick, like a situation can escalate to a point where it no longer involves you now and it no longer involves the client anymore. It starts involving money being given to a third party to assess and to figure it out. AKA the lawyers. Exactly. Right. So hopefully in your contracts, there's something in there about mediation. Hopefully there's something in there that if something gets to the point where they don't want to communicate with you anymore, they still have to sit down and mediate with you or you both concede to a third party coming in as a mediator to discuss what is the issue and what is the resolution, because that's going to be cheaper than a lawyer. And then if it gets to the point of a lawyer, then you have to decide whether or not is it worth it for you. You guys are young. There's a lot of things that young guys and also stupid old guys don't understand that there's a whole stress attached to being in that scenario. So they think, sure, I got screwed over. Let's just talk about the two scenarios. I got screwed over for 25000 or less or I got screwed over for 25000 or more. Both situations there's an equation in there of stress. It's going to eat away at you when you're on the next job. It's gonna eat away at your family, your significant other, your children, your friends, your sub-trades. That stress is a valid considering. Like you have to figure out, is it worth to? The unfortunate thing in the construction industry, most tradespeople say, fuck it, and they walk away from it. Because they've been down that road before and they've seen the stress and they've seen the amount of shit that's involved and how much money I'm going to possibly lose on top of that because I'm feeding to a lawyer. That's the only person who makes money in these situations. And you really have to get your ego out of the situation. The worst thing you can do is just few, like feed the fire when something bad has happened. And so the clients have screwed you over and you turn around and you start feeding that fire and you start being more confrontational instead of uh, res resolving the situation. Right? You let your emotions get the best that, of you. That's that, and that's natural. We totally understand that. You'll learn that later on. If you've learned it early, then kudos to you. It's amazing. You picked it up. But the, our instinct as tradespeople is just to say, fuck you and I'm going to fuck you over and I'm going to do all this shit and that's it. But you have to balance how much... When you get older, I've told people recently, man, peace. And I don't mean peace of lumber. I'm talking about peace of mind, P-E-A-C-E, -E, peace. There's no value quotient attached to peace. You have to figure out, is it really worth that? That's why there's a lot of trades that just say, fuck it. And I walk away and I took the loss and that's it. You can consider all the bad names you want to call that client, that person, that whatever, but you have to figure out 
how to handle that situation. The worst thing you can do is just get confrontational with them at that very moment or even afterwards. Don't get get vengeful with them a- afterwards. There's no purpose. It doesn't serve anything. No. The best thing you can do is be 100% professional. That's it. Yeah. That, like So if you ever get into a situation where there is a little bit of friction going on, all communication verbally stops. Puts the brakes on, man. There's no more conversations of just you and them. There's never, that's it. It doesn't, it doesn't work that way. It's all done through text or email communication. There has to be a threat somehow because of whatever they say or whatever you say, if it ever gets to a certain point, there's a record of it now. I've also told Trace before that during the course of a job, keep a journal. You want to clear your head before you go to sleep? Sit down for five minutes. Write down what transpired during the day. Client was great, amazing, brought me espresso, brought me treats. I had an amazing day. We were productive. Just shit like that. If it eventually starts to turn, client was an asshole. They treated me like shit. They treated the uh, subtrades like shit. They started yelling at people. Keep a journal. Just keep a journal of the job. You never know if it's going to help you later on in a legal situation. But also, it's going to allow you to go back and skim through those notes and see what went wrong and where it went wrong and why it went wrong for you to take it to the next job. That's Make valuable. Sure that doesn't happen again. It, it shouldn't happen again. That's or, the one great thing about construction is that you learn. You learn like you, you have to learn. If you don't learn, then get out. Right? You have to be open to learn. You have to be. Totally. But I'm telling you, as young guys, you guys are going to come across a bad client. I don't give a shit what anybody says. Oh, yeah. You will. You will. You'll come across a client that is just rough. But I'm telling you, when I say you're going to come across a client that's going to be bad, I'm talking about a person who actually just wants you dead. Like, you're going to come across a bad client. You will. I guarantee you, everybody in construction will come across a client that's bad. Like horribly, you're not a human being person. You are. I'm telling you the truth. And the best thing you can do is just educate yourself how to handle that situation before it happens. So then you can handle it as best you possibly can. That's all I'm going to say. It's important, seriously. Out of all the guys that I've known that have been in that situation or have done that situation, what I've been through, all this other shit, that's the best thing you can do. Keep her cool. I know. It fucking scares the shit because nobody ever talks about this on social media. Nobody ever shares this. It's all about filters. Everything's perfect. All the clients. No, fuck. That's bullshit, dude. Favorite client? (laughs) Your favorite client can actually be your fucking worst client. That's a fact. Oh, yeah. People change. They dramatically change. They can overextend themselves. They can ask for a thousand extras. They can literally change every single line item on the original scope. And then they can blame you for overselling the job, which you're thinking, I'm not the best salesperson out there. You asked for a bunch of stuff. I gave you a price. You signed off on it. We built it. And now you're questioning paying it. Now I'm the bad person? No, you have to pay this. But I don't want to pay it because we've overextended ourselves. We went beyond our line of credit. We went beyond our savings that we're going to spend on it. We went beyond all the... I go, that's got nothing to do with me. You hired me for a purpose. You asked for changes because you came across this or that or whatever. Now it's time to pay. You have to pay. But now you don't want to pay. So then now you're putting me in a situation. And then that's how you get friction. But if you can handle it a certain way, then by all means do it that way, man. So we talked about profit. We talked about where you're possibly losing money. And that's important. You have to figure out exactly where you are losing money. Because I guarantee you that every single job you do, there's hemorrhaging somewhere. Yeah. Somewhere. 
time, Some, something material. happened. There's hammer somewhere, somewhere, and then you have to figure out where that is, and you got to plug it. That's how you're going to make more money. Got to be on top of everything. There's, that's what I'm saying. There's, there's a lot going on, and it doesn't hurt having the third pair, you know, person overviewing all the paperwork. You know what I mean? Actually, that's we talked about that today. We're gonna we're gonna get a new accountant, and we're gonna get somebody who also we can ask questions. We get a bookkeeper, and you just handle and just let them go. Everything's coming in. You do it per job. You organize. That's what it. I do. Yeah. yeah. So, but I mean, you have to stay focused on other things. Yeah. Uh, it's hard for us contractors, tradespeople, GCs to shift gears and change occupation all of a sudden. Your head's on wrapped around the whole job and wrapped around the client and, and being customer service and doing the scope and scheduling all the trades and all this other shit. And now you've got to be an accountant and at home at the middle of the night when you should be spending time with family. Take your line item, take your budget, allocate a certain amount of funds towards someone else to do it. Someone that's not in the game. Someone is just looking at numbers. You're looking at numbers, you start paying towards price. Anybody who looks at numbers is just increasing price. They don't care about the passion. You're conflicted with the passion. So you shouldn't be doing it. I'm just saying, we all do it in the beginning, but you shouldn't be doing it. I have somebody else, a lot of people I know, they have a bookkeeper and they have an accountant. Bookkeeper just sees all these bills comes in. They see all the numbers come in. They just put it all together. They calculate it and they go, oh, by the way, you're at 22, 23. Oh, by the way, you're at 31. Oh, by the way, you lost $10,000. By the way, they have to tell you that. So then you can actually start figuring out where's the hemorrhaging. Makes sense. Employees or subcontractors. What do you guys, I know a lot of people have asked me over and over. I've always been a fan of subcontractors. Less overhead responsibilities. Employees, I think, eventually get too comfy. Expect yeah. too much. And you can always, technically it's not firing a subtrade because you just don't hire them again. It's as simple as that. Yeah. You're paying a little bit more because they're covering all their own expenses. They have their have their insurance. If you're going the subtrade route, make sure that all of your subtrades have their insurance and their certification for all the WSIB. They yeah. physically show it to you because you'll be on the hook if you don't see it, if yeah. you don't have a copy of it. Yeah. Right? So and there's also I just learned this recently. You can be a GC. So normally if you're a GC and you're a hands-on GC. You have to have a certain amount of insurance coverage. Yes. Certain amount of liability, certain amount of uh, tool writer, certain amount of uh, whatever, all this builder's risk, all that stuff. But if you're a GC that's not on the tools and you're literally just the face of the company and you're just going in there, you can dramatically reduce your insurance premiums by doing that because all of your subtrades are carrying their full insurance coverage. They did the work. So if something goes wrong, they're liable. You're no longer liable. If you do the work, you're liable. Does that mean you have to have a contract with each subject? Yes, you do. There you go. Do it then. Why not? Every subtrade is supposed to have their clearances, supposed to have their insurance. Yep. They're supposed to be warranting their work. Why do you want to be on the hook for that? The smarter move is to actually have the clients pay the, the subtrades directly. It's not going to you. So you're not responsible for it now. So if they screw up and something goes wrong, it's not you. You make the phone call and that person has to come by. They're liable for those actions now. So it's kind of a cost plus kind of idea. Yeah. Or you go the employee route. 
So now you're carrying the full responsibility. You're carrying the full benefits. You're carrying all kinds of stuff for this employee. You're stressing out because you're trying to feed them, feed their family, feed all this other stuff, which is fine. You can do that. But it's I've always want I've always gone the sub trade route. It just made sense to me. We still go the sub trade route the most because we can tackle all the little odds and ends. Yeah. Do we believe that you should maybe have one or two employees, depending on how, I guess how big you want to scale your business? Th- of course. That's another thing too. You got to figure out where your where your scale is. Like, do I want to take on two or three jobs at once, or I'm okay with one? That's when you're going to figure out what's going to work for want, you. Why do you want... Okay, so I know that there's been a lot of guys. We've had a lot of people on the show, and they're juggling like 50 jobs a year. They're juggling 20 jobs a year. What's the reasoning behind you want so many jobs? Money. Pure money. Are you making more money because you have more work? Not always, because you you could be missing a lot of things. Yes. So are you overextending yourself? Guaranteed. All you young guys, we talk about it. You guys are all probably getting ready to have family and stuff like that. And even some of the young guys that I know, lots of them, they all have big families, three, four kids or whatever. Are you missing those opportunities? Yes. From what I hear, that's bad. I'm not a therapist or anything like that. But I mean, like you're missing great opportunities. Don't, don't work so hard in construction that you don't get a chance to smell the sawdust. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Like you can't, it just be, anything you do can't be 100% consumed of your life it can't be you can't do the same thing for family you can't be around your family all those hours as well because that's going to hurt your family you have to have a balance you have to figure it out so if you want 50 jobs a year what's the real reason why you want 50 jobs a year if it's really about making money then make sure you're making money make sure it's worth it yeah it ha- you have to be so hopefully you are bringing in that 21 to 25 percent profit margin on every single job you bring it in let's say you bring in whatever 10 jobs and they're 100 grand each that's a lot of cake for you which is great which brings up another point that actually i was sharing with somebody today i was actually saying you guys are familiar with asset allocation and and just investments and savings and all this other crap so you basically like i have a bucket or something you, you figure out certain things you want to put your money in you put it in a little bit of risk, you put it in a lot more secure stuff. So then you start balancing it out. The secure stuff grows slowly, quietly, but it still grows. The The, the risky stuff has a chance to grow dramatically higher, but it also has a chance to go lower. Yeah. But you have an overall balance of everything. So I've also said, I said today when I was talking to him, I was going, you got your 21% profit, right? Cut that in half. Take that half and put it somewhere for it to grow. Do not touch it. Don't put it into the company. Take it, put it somewhere else. And invest it, use it, make it grow. That's it. You put that on a post actually uh, last year. Yeah. On, one, uh, on your Instagram. Yeah. Which, is, which is a thought from the book from uh, uh, Babylon, right? It's the same thought. So that's the idea is that the reason you do that is it actually helps you with the obsessive nature to buy more tools or the obsession na- to put too much money into your business. You take 21 or 20, whatever, you cut it in half, 11%. 11% is already off the table. You can't touch it. It goes someplace else. It's already working. It's money. It's working. Put it in crypto. Put it in stocks. Put it whatever you, whatever you feel comfortable in doing it, right? Now you have only 11% that you can put back into the company. And I, can, I can't buy two new table saws. I can only buy one. I can't buy a new truck because I don't, I don't need it because my current truck's working fine. But it makes you more strict. And by the way, something's growing that you're not even looking at. You're feeding it, but it's growing. Yeah. So do it. So focus on, sure, get all those jobs, get all that money, get your profit, make sure you're getting that profit, cut it in half, take it away, put it away. Don't touch it. 
take the other half and put it back into the business. It's going to make you smarter too because then you're going to start cutting all the, how do they say? The fat. There you go. That's uh, what it's going to do. Yeah. It's going to make you very conscious about like what's going on. And that's where the hemorrhaging goes back to. You have to figure out what's, where's the hemorrhaging. We talked a little bit about marketing. Yeah. I think marketing is smart. Um, I think if you can be creative, then do it. Uh, something I recently learned was don't look internal for marketing. And when I say that, don't look at what other contractors or other people on construction social media are doing for marketing. I did this in the very beginning. When I came up with a marketing campaign and I wanted to create some buzz and some conversation, I created images that were attached to food. And like I put a, a kitchen mixing blade on a drill bit and on a, a, a bowl of cake mix, right? So I was using a mixer to mix that and not a kitchen mixer. I took a trowel to actually ice a cake to put the grooves in it. And that got me meetings and conversation and people were talking about it. So when it looks to marketing, look to something else, a different industry, and see what they're doing to get to their audience. See if it's applicable to construction. Take whatever nuggets you can from that, apply it to construction. Yeah. If it works in another industry, then use it in construction. I find that in construction, a lot of the marketing is very similar because everybody's looking in the same sandbox. They're doing the exact same thing over and over. Go elsewhere. Go to a different industry. Go to, I don't fucking know, go to soccer, football, cycling. Go whatever. Like, do whatever. Just go to it. See what they did. See what they came up with. There's great resources online that you could check it look like. There's like, there's these magazines or a series of magazines, Graphis. Graphis is spelled G-R-A-A, uh, sorry, G-R-A-P-H-I-S. Okay. So they feature global advertising from all over the place. And unfortunately, Canada is not the epicenter. Neither is the U.S., Europe and outside of the North America has the best advertising. They come up with really interesting, creative, out-of-the-box thinking. Look at some of that stuff and pay attention to it and put it towards your industry. You'll stand out. You'll be better. You'll come up with something that's different. Your, your business will be different. It's no different than the Cardinal for you guys. Yeah. Nobody would think construction and Cardinal, man. You guys put it together. And now people are thinking of that. So It's a brand? It's a brand. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's another thing. I'll add to it. Marketing, it's it's a brand. Yeah, the colors, what you wear on uh, on your shirts. You have the to. Case is, it's all a brand. It's it's the image of you. Yeah, you have to. You have no choice. You can't uh, be another same name as Buddy down the street. It's not gonna work for you. Gone are the days of, and I know painters, they love the direct pens, but I don't agree with it. Right? I, like I I like that guys are, are like a team, a business, a brand. Everybody has their shirts. Everybody has their signage. Everybody has their hats, their hoodies, their toques. Everybody has that, which is great. I love the seeing that all the construction companies are doing that, spending the time and effort and giving it away. In my years of being in construction, I've given away over a thousand t-shirts. People all over the world are wearing a hardcore rental shirt here and there. And I love it. It's great. Yeah. I just gave it away. I just I was doing that. That's all it was. I was just creating noise. I was just building noise. That's all I was doing. But you should have that. There's no reason for you to have a dirty shirt over and over, or dirty pants over and over. You shouldn't have that image. No. There's plenty of ways to actually do every single trade and still stay clean. Uniform. Yeah. It's a uniform. It's no different than a police uniform, a military uniform. It's no different. It's the same thing. They're always kept clean, relatively speaking. I heard uh, a lot of guests on the show really love track pants. <laughs> That's Carlito, man. I can't stand love track pants. pants. Do you guys think that there is a potential of a recession coming up? You guys have never been through one. Uh, oh, wait. 
Oh, okay, but not in construction. No, 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 no. Yeah. So 08 would have been the last one that we had, which wasn't really. It was. It was a recession, but it wasn't a huge recession. No, it was. It was enough to, you know, stir it was enough the pot, to scare. Yeah. None. It was mild. That's you or me? Oh, that's me. Um. I think so. You think so? Why do you say so? Wages are not going up with inflation. Uh, what I say? Uh, I saw a post this week. They said six percent. I think they're. I think it's larger. I think they're trying to tell people it's six. Just soften the blow. Soften the blow. Yeah. I think we're closer to ten than we're not. Look at the price of fuel. Go to the grocery store. Oh, it's stupid. We joke. We see the memes. We joke about it. Everybody putting their groceries on the countertop, and this is what you paid in 19, 2019. This is what you're paying in 2022. Mm-hmm. Sure, it's a nice joke. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous what you're paying for groceries. It's only going to get worse. I just read today that there's potential uh, rail strike. Yes. That's lovely. I mean, another reason for me to be a fan of unions. The economy, the way the country is right now, sure, let's make a threat of, of strike. Let's just do that. Everyone's striking for so whatever go, reason. Go ahead. So now you're gonna you're gonna also affect that supply um, chain. Yeah, that's exactly. So what's that gonna do? Increase more. Fuel is not going down. As of April first, the carbon tax increases. It goes from whatever five percent to eleven percent. Yeah. So you know, sure, that's gonna actually bring it right back up to two dollars. So out west, it's even worse. I mean, there's a lot of ingredients for a recession. But then when you talk to a lot of trades, I'm busy. I'm busy. I'm busy. No. I'm busy. Uh, Okay, sure. I understand. I Listen, I could be moping around home all day and be busy all day and get fuck all done. So you're busy, 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 but are you making money? Are you making your profit? Are you just balancing the books? So like, what is it exactly that's going on? And what happens? Okay, so what happens if there is a recession? I've always said to everybody, retail and rentals, two biggest things get hit. Right away. Right away. It just stops. All of a sudden, everybody pulls. Yeah, but we got a contract. We're starting to work. Sure, those jobs will go there, but then what happens to the next job that you're supposed to start? Everyone's always trying to get to the next job. Yeah. That one gets pushed. Gets pushed and pushed. It's done. So all of a sudden, no, we're not going to do it this year. We're seeing uh, almost $10 two by four. I Uh, guarantee you I'll put money down. It's going to hit 14. I got a a text today from my friend who's at the Home Depot. He goes, since when are uh, two by fours $10? Actually, it's funny. So uh, I spoke to a proposed client this week. They want to do a legal basement. I said, I'm just going to pretty much let you be aware that we presume lumber is only going to rise. I am going to kind of, I want to say, maybe give a contingency fund on top of what today's price is just to let you know that today's start date and let's just say June or July start date, that lumber price will go up. They, they go, oh, I had no idea. I'm going. Well, well, I'm letting you know right now. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, of course they want the price. Like they're just looking for. Prices. Oh, they want you to lock into a price. Well, that's, of course well, you can't. No. I'm working on a quote right now. Pretty big quote. There's going to be a huge page on it. Probably its own. This is valid for one week. A lot of guys doing that. I'm sorry, it is. It's. I want it to be very, very clear. I want it to be so the Stevie Wonder can see it. It's just like, <laughs> it's going to be clear, man. Clear. Because when the job starts four months from now, I do not know what that, and I guarantee, I said, listen, I'm just giving you a heads up. It is going to be a $14 two by four. And if it's less, then great. Even better. 
But still if it is cheap. 14, you're going to still pay $4 more for that material than, than the quote that I just gave you right now. Yeah. Question for you. Do you quote it at 14? Do you quote it at 10? No, no. I quote it at Curtin right now. Okay. I totally quote it at Curtin. I mean, I'll give you a story. I walked into Central Fairbank. I told this to Gary uh, recently. I walked into Central Fairbank. I had to get 10 sheets of 5x5 five five Baltic birch to, to build some drawers, right? Boxes. I got in there, ordered the 10 sheets. I was thinking, yeah, yeah, 10 is more than enough that I need. No problem at all, right? 71 bucks a sheet. Seventy. I, I remember paying 30 bucks for that same material, right? Half inch, 71, 5x5 five five sheet. Order 10 of them. Two weeks later, I'm short. I need to get two more. I go back. Give me two more. I pay. I walk out. I'm looking at the bill. I'm like, I go back. And I was going, no, no, no. I asked for a half inch, not three quarter. He goes, no, that's half inch price. $97. Oh. I go, what are you guys talking about? He goes, $97. Week over week. Two over week. two weeks. Yeah, over two weeks. $5 a week. That happened with two by fours. So you can't quote. You can quote today, but then you have a separate page and it just says this is only valid for one week. I know the job's not starting for four months, and whoever else is going to quote you and they tell you that this is going to be their fixed price and that's it. And then good luck with that. But I mean, you guys are going to pay what you're going to pay when the material costs that much. Plus, even when you start the job, I've already given them a heads up. I was going. There's a there's a huge window order here, like a massive window, and not regular windows either. There's triangle shaped windows, there's arch windows, there's all kinds of windows. That's like twenty weeks. I exactly. I said four or five months, guys. I'm sorry. Like the, the if you think about starting in July, the windows will not arrive before Christmas. I guarantee you, they will not. So actually speaking, I should, well, Tuesday I'm gonna have that conversation. Yeah, actually, it's Brock windows. Yep. He told me twenty twenty two weeks, and these are just standard. Triple pain. You have to just let the client know all this shit just to give them a heads up. And it's going to affect your profit because of your timeline, your scheduling. You're ready for it. It hasn't arrived. So what do you do? You can't move forward because they haven't arrived. So what are you going to do? You're going to get another job. You got to fill in that void. So you're going to start working on that. Then come back to this. Someone down the line is going to be real upset and that's going to be the client. But you have to just let them know. This just can't be a surprise, right? So nobody, anybody who's getting locked in, and I know I've had the, the, the discussions, whatever, on social media about you need to raise your rates. And I'm like, there's nobody in construction. I don't give a shit if you're here in Canada or south in the U.S. There's no way you're increasing your rates to the way material is increasing. There's no way. A two-by-four at Christmas was under $3. So it's at 10 right now. That's triple. So if you're billing out your guys at 40 bucks an hour, are you now billing them out at 120? No, you're not. No. no. So you can't increase your labor rates to the increase of the material costs. You can't. So you can't absorb any of that cost, period. So you have to let them know at that point. And if that client, you're back to vetting. If they're humming and high, no, 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 we didn't know, we didn't know, we didn't know. Well, watch the news, man. Like, just pay attention to what's going on. And I'm letting you know right now as a professional that's in the industry. And if they still think that it's a negative and they don't want to hire you, then go, bye-bye. I'm gone. See you later. Hire somebody else. And then it's not my nightmare anymore. You're just being open and honest with them. That's a big thing. Retirement. Exit plan. You guys had a conversation about that? You, I, I, I'll be stupid. <laughs> uh, I'm just saying you should. Uh, yeah, no, I was. We haven't thought about that. Well, not as a business, I don't think, but I think we've all have our. You've done like a five year, 10 year. Where's generation going to be five years from now, 10 years from now? Oh, yeah. yeah oh, yeah. Yeah. Kay. We've done a five year. Um, 
you should at least, I tell you right now, you should have a conversation about retirement. Figuring out what your exit plan is. Are you both going to leave at the same time? Are you going to hand the business off to somebody else? Are you going to hire somebody that's going to take over? Are you going to make another family member that's going to take over? One thing I'm going to... I had this conversation with... Um, I was speaking with... Uh, I was like San Remo Bakery. Okay. And I ran into one of the owners, Rob. And we're talking, whatever, whatever. He was having a little bit of a rough day. But it's actually... He talked a lot more than I thought he would. And uh, he goes, I can't hand it off to my kids. He goes, they, they just don't have it. They don't, they don't have that drive. So my theory is, and I don't know about Justin, is if you were to have children, I, I don't know if I would personally be comfortable just handing on the baton until I know that they would be. I would definitely not force it. And I don't think that's one way of getting out. Um, but there's going to be a getting out moment. It has to be. Well, there's going to be two getting out moments for you guys. One is going to be getting off the tools first. Yes. So you're literally not going to lift a finger anymore. You're literally going to show up every single day to the job site, and you're going to go home, and your clothes is going to be perfectly clean. You're essentially sales guy, customer service. Exactly. You're the face of the company. Yeah. And then soon after that is going to be getting out. I want to enjoy my life. I want to travel. I want to hang out. I want to rebuild my own house. I want to rebuild my backyard. I want to build the, the, the house, dream house for my, my kid, kids, my family, whatever. You're going to get out. So those are the two moments you have to think about. How am I going to handle that? How am I going to do that? How, how is that all going to work? Just think about it. How are you going to get to that point? So you can get that. Because the thing is that same way you got in, you just jumped in. You're going to think about how you're going to jump out. Right? A lot of guys in construction just start because there's no real certification there's no real schooling to get started as a gc for custom rentals right you kind of just jump in and you learn you just start and you go but getting out a lot of guys do the same thing they just stop they just wake up one day they they realize that their body isn't moving as easily as it used to and i can't physically do this anymore so then i have to get out at that point i think you have to figure out how to get out before that happens you should be i don't want to say passionate about what you do. you should be able to carry yourself and not burn out. I think that's a big thing too. That's a burn. Yeah, that's a great term. I think Can't a lot burn of guys, out. Yeah, a lot of guys burn out. So you have to schedule your time too. Yeah. To do other things like we were saying earlier. Yeah. Uh, family hobbies. Uh, uh, you gotta have a lot of other loves too. I yeah. mean, it, it just can't be construction. construction, construction, construction. Listen, as much as I love construction, it's not twenty four seven, man. It oh, can't be. Can't. It can't be. I mean, I miss certain aspects of it. I love passing by other guys' job sites. I love having conversations. I love sitting down like you reach out to me and we sat down, we talk. I love talking about construction, but it can't be that all the time. There has to be more to you as a person, as a human being. Yeah. There's got to be other interests. Lots of people have other interests. There's other things that you want to do. Maybe you want to contribute to certain charities, certain groups, certain functions, certain things. You have to figure out, commit your time to those as well. So that's where you need to pull back from construction and give yourself time for these other things. Your family, your friends, support, other groups, help out, give back, community, all that shit. So that's big. That's, that's the getting out. That's the retirement there, right? So um, Bed and breakfast. Thought about it. Sure. I love cooking. That's why. <laughs> Are you guys working on your supply chains? Like right now, it's disgusting how the supply chains are getting top dollar for everything. They're also having huge opportunities selling higher end product because before the pandemic, 
higher end product wasn't moving as fast, but now you're dealing with timelines. So homeowners are deciding on more expensive items because guess what? They're in stock, right? So now supply chains are making more money because they're selling product that doesn't move as much because it's available versus product that does move and it's not available. So how are you guys building your relationships with supply chains? Are you guys actually building relationships? Because that's a very vital thing in construction. In January, I went around. I made a lot of new contacts in uh, the supply chain, new vendors. I've stopped going to certain vendors. For what reason? Just because? Well, because the supply chain kind of like, it was broken. Yeah. But also the conversation was the real broken link. Yeah. That's what I said. I said, forget it. Like one of playing suppliers to go to, I said, forget it. I want, I'm out a new one. Super happy. Mistakes are going to happen no matter where you go, but it's just the conversation you're having. I went to, it's funny. I went to a lot of maybe higher end suppliers to make those connections in case I have the, those jobs coming up because you want to grow. Of course you want to have this certain amount of places you want to have a conversation. And before you get this contract and then you're kind of like, during the headlights, you don't know where to go. Um, you have to have these conversations with everybody. I call a lot of my trades. I call a lot of my suppliers, even before I know I have the job saying, hey, this may come up. Just plant it. Just plant it. What are you looking at this time of the year? How is supplies going? How is paint's a big thing? How is paint supply? How is this? And then you, even with your contractors and subs, you'll find out that even in their trade, they'll kind of tell you, well, I've been noticing this and this and this. You have to have that conversation. I, I recently had, um, I sent out an email to one supplier. Never got back to me. Uh, I was like, okay, fine. So a few days go by. Never got back to me. So I said, fuck it. I'm going to try somebody new. I tried somebody new. Very receptive. Very warm. Very accommodating. Treated me like that. What's that word that I'm trying to figure out? A customer. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's what it is. They treated me like a customer. And then I was a few days after that, the first supplier gets back to me. Oh, we just saw this. We're just getting back to you. How are you doing? All this other shit. I was like, I'm good. Fine. I don't need you anymore. I found somebody else. Thank you. Goodbye. I find that that's how suppliers are treating most people. And I think that they need to wake up and realize that you can't be treating anybody like that anymore. When the recession comes, it's done. It's coming for oh, them it's first. Good. Exactly. And they're going to be calling you up. And I mean, even today I got a phone call from a supplier and I was, it was just a friendly customer call. And he started asking me a bunch, you know, how's everything? How's the business? How's work? How's this? What do you got planned for this year? All this other shit. When I start seeing phone calls coming from suppliers asking me those questions, I smell recession. That's what I smell. It was nice of him to do that. I hadn't spoken to him in a while. And I was like, that's great. And I just said, listen, in all fairness, thanks for the call. I really appreciate it. Um, but I'm not handling that part of the, of the business anymore. Uh, I'm actually passing that on to the subtrade that handles that scope. You'd be better off speaking to them. And I'm going to take their cue whenever I ask them what I need regarding that because I know that they use you as a supplier. So by all means, call them. Let them know you spoke to me. You'll have a better supply chain, so to speak. Right. Instead of calling me to find out how this business is going for this year, for you, for your, all this other shit. That makes me think of, yeah, recession, man. Uh, I want to talk about, uh, so we talked about changes. We talked about how are you guys handling callbacks? How do, how do you speak to the trade, the client, the situation? 
There's going to be a callback on a job. Going to one on Monday. Okay. Silicone. So is it your responsibility or is it a sub-trade responsibility? So the way I do it is if I installed it, if there's a product I recommended, 100%, I go back to fix it, whatever the case is. Now, if it's one of my sub-trades screwed up or one of his materials, whatever the case is, I still go there, but I go there with my sub-trade. Perfect. Make sure that there is no conflict between the sub-trade and the client. And then if there is any conflict, A, be there as a mitigator, possibly. Diffuse it. Diffuse it. Yeah. Or B, if the client gets back at me, make sure my sub-trade, because I like to have a good relationship, maybe not so much like tell a client, hey, like, but maybe kind of try and be like, well, actually, with my experience, this may or may not have happened. We're fixing it. We're here. We're going to make it better, and this will never happen again, or whatever the case is. Yeah. You as the GC, no matter if you it's your fault or not, you should be there. You should be the fly on the wall. Oh, yeah. So the majority of the time, I actually, yeah, that, that's exactly how I've handled it. I go, whoever did the scope of work, it's their responsibility. You schedule a time. You're the fly on the wall. You're literally just there babysitting. That's all it is, man. Yeah. And you're there just in case if there's any friction. Nobody wants to go back. No sub-trade wants to go back. Depending no. on the scope, it doesn't matter how small or how big. It eats away at their day. Sub-trades and trade people in general have a certain amount of work that they want to do per day. That's how they make their money. They calculate, I've made this much money because I went through four different job sites. I did this scope of work and I made this much money. It's great. Me going back to a job site to fix a little detail is killing my profit. I'm like, yeah, it is, but it's your responsibility. Yeah. So I'm there to make sure that you don't speak badly of you representing yourself, but also your representation of me because I vouch for you to bring you in. Yeah. So I'll have a friendly conversation with the client to figure out how's everything. It's good. Sure. I'll have another piece of banana bread. Thank you very much. You fix the problem and you just watch it. That's it. Totally agree with you, man. Let's talk about competitive. <laughs> exactly. Competition, right? The unfortunate thing is that a lot of people in this construction industry, they consider the competitive aspect of the business more than the community aspect of the business. And I'm a huge fan. You help other people in this business. Other people will help you in this business. And that's not you help someone lift something and someone else helps you lift something. It's like if you're contributing. There's been work that's come my way and I'm like, I'm either not interested or I can't do it. And I'll recommend somebody else. I'll be like, here, listen, here it is. I actually already priced it out. Have a look at it. Meet the client. I can intro you guys get along, then by all means, take the job. I don't expect anything in return, but I treat it like a community. Like I'm not looking at you as competition and you'll get more work as a result of it. I guarantee you, you will. 100%. You think that you won't because you're giving that work and that person's going to be like, well, they got another job. And then all of a sudden their sister, their brother, all these people want all this extra. And then great, take it. It's your work. Do it. That's a lead. I gave it to you. Thank you very much. If I'm in a pinch and I need a hand, then by all means, give me a hand. It's going to work better than you saying, no, I'm going to keep it for myself. I'm going to do it for myself. I'm going to do it for myself. And you keep on just bringing more and more work on. And then you're, you're actually overextending yourself. And then now actually you do a shit job. Something fails. You start losing money instead of helping out another brother or sister in construction. A lot of people, I think, uh, maybe this is an older mentality of, I'll give you the job, but I want a cut. I think that killed a lot of it. Mm -hmm. If I can't do the job and I know someone who can, 
I will 100% call them up, do exactly what you, make it happen for the other guy. Yeah. I don't want nothing in return. The only thing I want is I want to know how it went at the end of the job. Yeah, just let me know. Just just let me know. Um, that's it. And just I, you may even follow up with the client and go, listen, I just want to say hello, see how everything's going along, how did it all go out, get some positive feedback. Yeah, whatever. That's it. That's it. Done. That will go further than you trying to not give it to somebody else or you trying to stop somebody else from getting that job. Even emails, like I had a lot of uh, clients get back to us. They're uh, out of our region. What do we drive? If we're up to like, what, an hour? The, the we'll max? To, yeah. Which is good. Drive. Which is good. Yeah. Not 100K. Yeah. An hour. No, no, I know. An hour. So um, I've reached any person that I figured out they're out of the region. I told them. We can't do it. However, here's a, a list of recommendations, what I found to be okay. Or go to your local supplier, talk to them, who, who comes in. I'm sure they have business cards. Yep. Uh, I hate to say it, some websites who have these contractors on there. Okay. Homestars. Yeah. <laughs> if you want, go that route. Fine. It's a race to the bottom. That's just a fact. Yeah. You're, you're quoting to death. 100%. That's all you're doing. But you know what, though? You, you, the people who are looking for us, the, I guess they don't know that. Like, Vetting. we do. Yeah. You just give them some, some sort of direction to go to. And if one client specifically was like, you know what? It's too bad. It's too bad you can't come out this far because I don't care about the price. I would have given it to you. It's like shooting yourself in the foot. But then... Yes and no. No. It's not because then she goes, if I have anyone... In the GTA, right away, it goes goes right to you. Yeah, I think that a lot of people should do that, whether it's in the region, whether it's your next door neighbor, whatever it is, just have the conversation. It doesn't it doesn't cost you anything. Doesn't at all, for sure it doesn't. I want to ask you guys because I know that this has been a subject that's come up quite a bit in the last few years, and actually actually come up on the show. Can you be a millionaire if you're a contractor? You know what, Justin, you answer that. <laughs> Let's see. Well, can you uh, be a millionaire if you're a contractor? Sure. Why not? I, the I the potential is there to be a millionaire if you're a contractor. I guess it's okay. a question of if you're the top three trades. When I say top three, HVAC, plumbing, electrical. Mm-hmm. Or if you're a GC. Can you be a millionaire? I think that there's a good chance if you're one of the top three, you can be. Yeah. I think if you're a GC, if you choose price over passion yeah. for a good 30 years of your career, yes, you can be a millionaire. For yeah. sure you can. If you're smart about all your expenditures and you set aside a certain amount of money and you split your profits and you increase your profits with each project, not each year, you increase your profits with each project, I think you can make it to it. Everything else, everybody else, I don't know. I think it's going to be challenging. Possibly hardscape, possibly concrete. Concrete. For Huge. sure, you can be. Because once again, the earlier trades have the more potential to make more money because they get in, get po- paid full scope, get out. No headaches, no bullshit, no nothing. Money's there. It's always there. That's why the GC is a tough run. Like, I think they would be at the bottom of the list of, yes, they can be a millionaire, right? Because I find that a lot of 20-somethings and 30-somethings in construction today, with the amount of filters that are going on in construction social media, 
they all think that they could become millionaires. And the only way you're going to become a millionaire based on those filters is if you abuse construction. Yeah. Right? Not use, but abuse it instead of just be in construction. Then you could be a millionaire. I think it's what you do outside of construction will make you a millionaire. That brings me up to my next point. I think that every single person in construction, every single person, I don't care who you are, GC, if you're handling the shitter, everybody in construction, you need to have a side hustle. All of them. You need to figure out what is your side hustle. If it's cocaine, I don't give a shit. Like, do it. That's what it is. But you need to figure out every human being has so many interests in them. And that doesn't, uh, you know, doesn't ex- it extends to construction. Every single tradesperson has something in them that can create wealth for them outside of construction. So you just need to figure out what it is. Yeah. And so if you're not already thinking about a side hustle to make extra money, then you're already behind the game. So figure out what is your side hustle. If it is whatever it is, I don't know what it is, but you have to figure it out. Can be anything. Can be anything. Can be investments. Could be all kinds of stuff. You know what I mean? Like there's a lot of contractors that they'll use their skills to benefit themselves instead of benefit their clients. Like you guys were talking earlier on, you were doing flipping in the beginning. Lots of GCs have made a lot of money because they were flipping. They paid attention to the markets and the properties. They were going around to site visits and meetings and clients, and they were they were in different neighborhoods, and they all of a sudden they noticed a property going, look at that. That just went on the market. Oh, look at that. That neighbor's just looking at me while we're working here, and they're considering selling. And then they start thinking, maybe I should buy it. Buy it before it goes on the market. Start flipping. Side hustle. You have all the resources. Do it. I'll say this. Flipping is not as glorious as everyone tells you. It's, it's not. A huge risk. Price passion. That's the reason why we got out. We came to a point where we were doing waterfall edge countertops. <laughs> Does it pay? Does no. it return? ROI. Everything you do. But you know what? That we just lucky for us, like our dad for the most part. He also kind of like, you guys got to do it just a little bit better. Like he pushes. Sometimes it's kind of like he gets into it. If it's there, if the money's going to be returned, sure. Yeah. I think that also we we got real passionate into it and we're, we weren't working smart either. I think that's why we got out of it. Um, So, so we had to stop certain things we were doing not to bring it into the business. So I think that's another thing. You got to tell yourself. That's all it is. Yeah. I've had so many people ask me to do it and get together. And I'm like, I can't do it. Dude. I can't. I can't put. Pig, I just, I can't. I can't put lipstick on a pig, man. Whether it's an addiction or something like that. I actually will keep on, keep on coming up with ideas and thinking that here, we should do this. We should try that. We should do this. But I'll be the first one to say that it's not going to give you an ROI. When the objective is to get money out of it, if it's getting money out of it, just make it fucking look beautiful. Put a for sale sign on it, sell it, and take the 400k profit that you just made. We're dealing with an industry that's the the price of homes have gone up 22 percent in one year. Yes, 22 percent. So find a property, flip it, make it look beautiful, new car smell, sell it, sell it, walk away with the leaking foundation. Get away. That's it. I'm saying that's how you become that's potential of it. So. Are you morally okay with that? I can't do it. I, I can't done do it. it. I can't do it. That's why I haven't done it. I can't do it anymore. 
I care too if much. If it was from my own place, like the smart way to do it is that if I found a place and I want to do it for myself and then I stay in that property for myself for a few years and then all of a sudden someone comes along and goes, listen, I'll give you X amount. And I'm like, okay, sure. Yes. Because I built it to what I wanted to build it. There was no way I was going to profit from selling it right away because I put too much into it. But I can sit on it for a little bit and then sell it because someone might pay for it. But then you run the risk of the, what if the market changes? What if it drops or whatever? Then you wait it out until the time that you can sell it. So I, I just I can't do that, right? What are you guys actually doing to, uh, to, to, to plan profiting? Are you guys sitting down and just actually figuring out like, are you guys stripping your business down and figuring out where you can make more profit? I'm going to be very honest. Not yet, because we're so new, young. We're, we're focused on just getting the jobs. And since I left my full-time job, I have to keep, like, I got to keep afloat sometimes. Like, I have bills. Of course. Like, I'm very lucky, but I still have bills. Like, I, I still want to do things and, and whatever. So... Because of that, and my focus is just get it all done and, you know, look back at it later or sometimes even take the small jobs, whatever, and just in case I had a bad month, whatever the case is. No. This year, before I start any large jobs, I am going to have to create a system. I'll give you one section where I bet you in money you can find some profits. You can find more profit. It's all your subtrades. Yeah. Depending on... The scope of work, the job, what business you've built, the trades you have worked with or the trades that are approaching you, they're all pricing a little higher, hoping to get that. But it's your job as a GC to counter that and go back. I think you need to go a little lower. I need to go a little lower. You need to tell everybody I need to go a little lower. For two reasons. Either protect yourself if shit hits the fan and then it's got to come out of your pocket or to try to achieve that 25 to 30% profit margin where you're, you're running a business, you gave the subtrade the work, you're feeding them more work. Technically speaking, they should give you a little bit of a break with each new project that you get for them and then you make more money. So there's a chance to make more profit by reevaluating the numbers that are being given to you by the subtrades. Even if the you've been working with the same subtrades for you could still have a conversation with them to about it uh-huh. it's a different job it's a different scope yeah so is it easier is it harder or is it like we don't know what's the story what's the story but I, the same way that they're they're running a business too they're coming back at you and they're going listen i get that a light fixture was 150 bucks for one recessed light i totally get it next week or next job that i do for you it's going to be 160 you have every right to go back and go, listen, I think you need you to do it for 145. That's where you get an extra profit. They won't like hearing it, but it doesn't, you should have a conversation. Earlier in the, in the beginning when I was doing things, I was just meeting people, subtrades. I was having a good rapport with them. We were getting along really well, and I was just trusting them enough that, here, okay, that's your price. That's great. It's wonderful. Okay, move on. No, I should have been going back and going, I need to be making more profit. So I'm going to go back at you and I go, I need you to lower your price. I think if you have the honest conversation and you had that reputation with them for X amount of time. They'll understand it. I'm sure. Yeah. Hopefully. And then you'll feed them more work and you'll feed them more work based on that too. It's not that you're going to do that on every single job. You're just trying to figure out how to balance that profit. You have to figure out how to balance the profit. 
That's important. And you got to find out. You kind of almost have to start doing a little bit of homework on other trades too. Of course. Like I know my plumbing trade. What's it now? I'm just going to say 850 a fixture. Brand new with finishing. It's a good price. Good price Most guys I, I know are like around 1100 these days. Chase. I remember when they were like four. Yeah. Not four. that long ago. 400 per fixture. Well, so now they're 1100 Some are even a little higher. Well, they better be. <laughs> or they use the luxury. You know, they'll use the luxury aspect, the details of it. They'll go, ah, oh, you know, it's a body spray. So, mm. You know what? Fine. Okay. But we're talking roughing. We're talking water pipe. Uh, oh, for sure. Okay, fine. Hanging toilets are different. Uh, body sprays, whatever. Steams. Cool. I get it. But don't price, you know, your regular toilet, your regular uh, single hole faucet at 1100 No way. Just because there's one body spray. What about the powder room? That's simple. Yeah, but see, everything is, they're running a business, you're running a business. Everything is a negotiation. At yeah. that moment, everything's a negotiation. Right. So, fine. Like, as a GC, you get a scope of drawings, you send it off to them, they review it. Obviously, they're going to give you the highest price possible. You take those numbers and you present it to the client. You put them all together. If the client likes you a lot, they're going to go, listen, we really want to go with you, but you're a little high. That gives you the right to go to everybody back and go, listen, I'm the front runner. I'm potentially going to get this job, but I need to reduce this. So that means I'm going to every single trade, reduce it. And then they should not be offended by that. They should be looking at it like, okay, let's get this job. I'll drop it down to 900 a fixture instead of 1100. And then all of a sudden you get the job. Everyone's happy. Conversation, man. Have it. Timelines on giving uh, customers, clients, proposals in return. Quote. As soon as possible. Like, I mean, uh, I like, okay, I started sending one out. I sent it out, what are we, Friday? I sent it out Tuesday. I've already got a few of them as of this morning. So the sooner the better, because then I can wrap it up, package it, put it all together and give it to the client. The client and the architects ha has already given me the pricing model and the schedule, and they've already come up with the date of March 25th that they want to see all the numbers from everybody who's tendering. So I'm like, okay, great. Oh. So fine. And then I had a follow-up e email today from the architect just saying, listen, how are we looking, man? He just checking in. And I was going, no, no, we're good. He was just saying, listen, uh, we actually discovered a few discrepancies, nothing major, but some issues that are different on some of the drawings. And I was going, no, 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 I saw those. Those aren't factoring in they won't change dramatically anything uh so and i said yeah i'm still looking good for the 25th so i'll get it i'll get you my numbers by the 25th right so i'll submit that but i just ask all the trades can you please and i spoke to a few of the other ones and they're like going listen i'll have it for you by, by monday it's like thanks so hopefully the numbers come in by monday and then i'll package it for two three two days and then i'll send it off to them i go here you guys go here's your review then they get to look at their three four quotes five quotes whatever they're looking at then they get to make a decision from there yeah. So the sooner the better. I mean, why of waste course. time at that point, right? But well, every so here's the thing though. When I'm tendering, I'm picking my first string. So I'm looking at the job. This is who's doing the foundation. This is who's doing the framing. This is who's doing the brick. This is who's doing the roofing. This is who's doing the drywall, electrical, plumbing, HVAC, windows. I'm doing that for the job. 
Right. I want that price because I want that person to be on that team. That scale. Right. So that's what I want. So I want those numbers. Everybody knows that because I'm not going to go, listen, I'm not going to go to three bricklayers. Give me a price. Give me a price. Give me a price. I don't do that either. I don't want to do that. I find it a little offensive because at that point you're just doing what we don't like clients doing. You're just technically, are you getting three prices? So then you could present the highest number, but hire the lowest number. Yeah. No. That's not right. That goes back to creating a team and creating a brand. Correct. Who are your guys? Correct. I stand by all my guys. Yeah. So I think that you'll, you'll do yourself a lot of service if you as a GC pick your A team, get the prices from them. Make sure that they are in line with what you want to present. Present that number as your scope to the to the client. Let them review, have their questions, come back, discuss things, and then go back to the team and go. Listen, this is where we're at. We're second. We're third. We're last. We're way out. Doesn't matter. Just keep them abreast of it as well, too, right? Everybody right now is very very busy. Jobs not happening for months from now. The but I mean, based on your relationships, they're gonna submit the quotes right away to get it to you so then you can get it. But a, a lot of guys are saying, sure, listen, I'm I'm gonna do the price, I'll give you the price, but I mean, right now, I'm not available. It's getting crazy at that window of opportunity, but I'm doing it because it's you, because there's a relationship there. Yeah. But at least I'm getting the price from them. That's the first choice, but if they can't make it, then I figure out a second choice from that point. So I always say, sooner the better, man, for sure. Yeah, now we try, and thing is, we're trying to find uh, trades we haven't used. That's what kind of <sighs> that's like concrete um, foundation, blah, blah, blah. It's, I would say do not hire anybody just off of social media. No. What you see on social media. Yeah. And I, I think you would probably be better off if you consider somebody, if you're already working with somebody or you know somebody, if you converse with somebody and they maybe make a mention. Yeah. Right. And they go, listen, I would vouch for this person and then go have a coffee with them. Go talk to them, invite them to your job site or you go to their job site and just have a conversation and just see, OK, is this guy in the same league as me or is this guy in the same wavelength or whatever? And just figure it out. Is this going to work? Then go, you know what? I want to give you a try. Yeah. And then go from there. And hopefully they don't drop the ball. Hopefully. And driver, sometimes when you're driving around and you see signs, especially on new builds, well, most, pay attention to them. You know how many I, I snap. I snap a quick pick. Pay attention. That's it. And then if I have to follow up, whether they have a website or, you know, or I've some of our subtrades work on these uh, homes. I call them up. Hey, you know, did you hear about this guy? Like, you have to again. Got to make that call. You got any other questions, Justin? We got to wrap it up. It's almost two hours here, man. Uh, I'm pretty good. We covered a lot. Oh yeah. We covered a lot, man. Hopefully it helped you out. I, I'm sorry that Carlito couldn't be here. Hey, listen. Uh, no, no, no. We can life. always do another show where he can come in and be a part of it. He always regrets when he misses shows, and I tell him about how it went, and he's like, damn, should have been there. Uh, well, yeah, things happen, right. right? Things happen, right? So life, it's... Uh, you guys are not there yet. We're there. Yeah, you guys are there. There's a, there's a funny line that as you get older, uh, there's going to be more things taken away from you than given to you. Right now, you guys are at the age where lots of things are given to you. We're at the age of where a lot of things are being taken away from us. So you start evaluating what's really important in your life. Yeah. Right? So I'm not trying to put a downer. I'm just saying it's realistic, uh, man. 100%. <laughs>
<laughs> Greg and Justin, man. Generation Construction and Fine Homes Limited. Uh, Greg at GenerationConstructionLimited.com. And the Instagram again is Generation... Uh, Generation Con. Generation Con. Yeah. Guys, 12 questions of construction. You ready for this? Let's do it. Want to burn through them? Justin, what is your favorite construction word? Uh, fuck. <laughs> Greg. Okay, yeah, yeah, same thing. Same? Yeah, fuck, yeah. What is your least favorite construction word? Get to work. <laughs> <laughs> least favorite. Uh, uh, you know what? It, it put me on a spot. I, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, least favorite construction word? Uh, Nothing comes to mind? Or like repair? <laughs> You hate that word. Shit flap. <laughs> Shit. Shit flap. What turns you on in construction, guys? New tools. Oh, yeah. He's a Milwaukee guy. I'm a dog guy. Oh, there you oh, go. There How does go. that work in the pack family, outs. man? Pack outs. So you're basing a, a tool brand on their pack out on their toolboxes? No. <laughs> it does how's look that, cool, so how but did, no, they work great. How did you become a Milwaukee and how did you become a dog guy? What was the old man? My Our dad? Nikita, he likes. You go, man! Like holy cow! (laughs) It's three different brands, man. How did that work? Growing up, uh, you see HGTV. Some of the guys using Dewalt, and from that day, like that's you. That's me. I'm like, but you with Milwaukee. Yeah. So how did that work? Who was using Milwaukee? No one. (laughs) You just like it. You prefer the red. I don't know. But your dad, I, I, I just went right to it. So, just, so your dad's Pol- you guys are Polish. So then, yeah, Makita makes sense, man. Like yeah. technically speaking, all three of you guys should be Makita, being yeah. Polish. I'm just saying, yeah, man. Yeah, I'm just saying. A lot of Polish guys, Makita. Makita. That's oh, yeah, why. Bosch too. Yeah, that's why. Actually, it's funny. We have whatever the tool brand is good, we'll use it. Like whatever uh, works for you. Yeah, like our uh, Makita compressor, sweet. Uh, both uh, finishing nail guns. I'm out. Makita, Metabo Framing Nailer. But because I had a lot of my tools already Dewalt from when I was in my apprenticeship. Yeah. It's funny because a lot of plumbers are Milwaukee guys. I'm like the only non Like people like, you're a Dewalt guy and you're a plumber? I'm like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> That's another thing too with tools. Every trade has their thing. Of course. But, you know that. But for some odd reason, because I, I just love the construction industry. I, I personally, it's just like I've seen Dewalt. Uh, you know, going to Home Depot as a kid, you're like, oh, cool, that's like sick DeWalt stuff. Like, it's just, it's, it, but it's branding. It isn't, yeah. I mean, they, they keep on, DeWalt saturated the market, but I mean, like, DeWalt and Makita and Milwaukee just fight for number one. That's all they do, man. I know. That's all they do, right? They don't so. provide anything. Uh, uh, whatever. Uh, sorry, what was the, yeah, so what turns you on in construction? F- finding just, um, seeing something go from like what it is at current state to the person's envision and pretty much living in that reality when it's all done. What was yours? I said tools. Tools. That's right. That's how we got into tools. <laughs> yeah. What turns you off in construction? I don't know. You want to answer that first? Let me, when think. things don't go wrong, when things don't go right. Yeah, the I, ass. I would have to say the same. Yeah. Then you, then you got to really work as yeah. a GC. You got to start problem solving. Or as a tradesman. As a tradesperson, for sure. What's your favorite curse word, guys? Oh, fuck. Uh, yeah, f- things we can say it in both languages. So, depend- <laughs> so depending on how mad you actually are, you may hear it in English or you may hear it in Polish. If you hear it in Polish, run. <laughs> 
What is your favorite vehicle? Could be anything in the world. Oh. Oh. Uh, Audi R8. Lamborghini Aventador SVJ. <laughs> I'm something about naturally aspirated V12s. Yeah. They just sing. Imagine driving a V12 with the gas prices of today. Oh, boy. You know what? If you can buy it, you sure. can fill it. Of course you can. Uh, what is your least favorite vehicle? Anything in the world? I don't know. <laughs> Toyota Tundra. I Toyota like Tundra? Tundra? I, I'm kidding. Damn. No. <laughs> okay. Triggered. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, they make a great truck. I just, I like American trucks. I, I'm just playing around. No, you know what? <laughs> but what's your least favorite? Oh, least favorite? Uh, chargers. Dodge the Chargers. The Dodge Chargers? Yeah. Really? I don't like them. You just hate cops. That's <laughs> <laughs> a cop car. Yeah. My least favorite car in the world? Uh, shoot. Honda Civic. Yeah. I'd agree with that one. Uh, what's your uh, what construction sound or noise do you guys love? I don't know when using like a grinder or something. I like that. Framing nailer. Tum, 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 oh tum, tum. man, what do you do? Bump fire, man. What construction sound or noise do you guys hate? Chipping. I have to say chipping. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt one day? Mine's framing. Other than your own, you just want to be specifically just do a frame. Yeah, well, pl- technically plumber by trade. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I would I would be. Could be anything. It doesn't have to be just construction related. Oh, could be anything in the world. Oh, I need. Well, Any, yeah. What well, other, what profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Investment in banker. World? Investment banker. Own like a performance shop, like work on cars. What profession would you guys not like to do ever? Well, we all say that every day. Oh, I couldn't do that guy's job, right? So which one is it? Doesn't have to be construction. It could be yeah. anything. I don't know. Working in a bank. I don't know. I can't. <laughs> so you want to work in a investment bank, or he doesn't want to work in a I bank? I just want to party like Wolf of Wall Street. Let's be real. I'm kidding. Uh, you know what? I guess. Uh, I'm. You know, janitor. I got a huge respect for those people, man. Like, yeah, I know. You know, know, especially if you work in hotels, man. It's true. Last question, gentlemen. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? You made it. Welcome. Uh, you're safe here. <laughs> I'm surprised. <laughs> you should have been here a long like, time ago. That's probably most likely the one. Thanks, yeah. guys. I really appreciate you guys being on the show. Thank you so much, man. No, thank you. No, thank you. Hopefully thank this was helpful. And to a lot of the other younger trades that are listening to, that they have these same questions. But by all means, please reach out and ask more questions. Yeah. like I'll it, always answer them, man. So. Yeah. like, uh, Can we do one more shout out? Oh, of course. Totally. Another good person that really helped us and we still in contact with is uh, Stuart. Stuart. From? Oh, so he he was doing some freelance carpentry work. And then he's right now actually, um, I guess, a construction manager for a company that brings 3D modeling. Uh, and they're making houses out of concrete. 3D modeling. Oh, it's crazy. We'll talk off air. What's the handle? What do you know? You know what? I would... He he would. I'd have to get send it, it to me so that I can add it yeah. into the notes so then everyone knows what we're talking about. Yeah, here. it's crazy. He he. Um, we so three D full scale model of a concrete house. Yeah. Whoa. It's out of this world. It's crazy. Wow. Show me some of the machinery. I want to see that. So he was set up in Kingston. They set up a small little factory in London where they're going to do their first small build just to kind of test the waters. Yeah. This came out of Europe. Uh, he's like, this is going to change things. He goes the. The houses are like within a quarter inch accurate. 
I'm telling you, 3D model printed houses. That's insane, man. I, I, number get, one, it, get it to me so that I can see it. I yeah. want to see this stuff. Yeah, man. I get it. Uh, yeah, but you know what? He's also helped me with like just getting my skill as a finished carpenter. Yeah, yeah. It's just so many dynamic variables with it. So he's really helped me. Like even over the phone, he's made fun of me with the digital uh, angle finders. He's like, just throw it away. Why do you need it? Because I'm like, <laughs> I want the miners to be perfect because you don't need it. And I'm like, I need so Stuart, honest, he's, he's, he's good. And you know what? Anyone who's either picked up our phone call, uh, even the people that told us no, it's just making us better. Thank you. Cool. Thank, thanks to everybody and all many. Thank you very much. For, no, no, no problem at all, man. So reach out to the guys, man. Greg and Justin, Generation Construction and Fine Homes Limited. Greg at generationconstructionlimited.com and the uh, Instagram is generation on just generation con. con. Yeah, yeah. Generation Con. You'll find them on Instagram. Look at the bird, guys. Thanks so much, man. Appreciate it. we're out of here. Thank you.